Friday night and we're in fucking Queens. Isn't it about time for somebody's favorite radio program? Live in the garage. I can't do it. I can't do a radio show. Will you please play the old sports song? My goal in life is to like break out of prison and open for Van Halen. There's a fridge full of this Welch's grape soda if anybody wants them. When I'm not picking on my gut, I'm listening to that's Midwest, fucking Europe, I don't give a fuck. Get the fuck out. This is my show. I said O-R-I-A-M. That's my name from the other end. Hey, everybody, this is Cone and Neutron. No, you just suck on it. Fuck the audience. The What's your favorite way? radio station? Live from the garage. Look at the cycle walks into this shit. <laughs> don't drink Seagram's Escapes. One pound fish. gonna ever keep me down. Live. I saw the Grateful Dead twice. You are listening to Live from the Barrage. For some reason, this reminds me of when Slim Goodbody came to my school. You are full of shit. Let me do my show, for Christ's sake. I have a great story. Makes sense to me. (laughs) What's wrong with you, baby? John Hulan, fuck you. Yeah. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Live from the Barrage here on Radio Nope. Those yeah. guys really meant that fuck you. They all left the show. Yeah, they did. <laughs> <laughs> refresh. They all leave eventually. Hit refresh. Hit refresh. Well, that's the thing. You know, as Harry used to say, you can't you can't say hit refresh over the air because they can't hear They're us. They're not listening. <laughs> but you can say it in the chat box. Wah, wah. Yeah. So thank you, everyone. Uh, yeah, we're live from the Barrage. It's a, it's a terrible time to do a radio show. Yeah. Um, there's seven uh, separate attacks on Paris. Terrorist attacks. It seems to be coordinated, and uh, many people uh, have lost their lives tonight. It's a horrible thing. These fucking animals. All right, you know who's in Paris right now? Who? And we we wish well for we wish for his safety. Uh, Sergio Vega from Quicksand is there with the uh-huh. Deftones. So. I don't know. Oh, the Deftones, I think we're supposed to... Did they open for uh, the Eagles of Death Metal? Or they're supposed to play the next night? I think or, they were I, supposed to play the next night, right. but I know that he's in the country, in, the, in Paris right now. Yeah. Also, so, uh, Dean Risplers, who was in Spain with the uh, dictators, was supposed to go to Paris next week. I okay. guess that's probably not happening. All right. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. A lot of, lot, of, lot of death and destruction and carnage. It's horrible. Imagine Toilets. being at a concert... And fucking some guy just starts sh- opening fire on the crowd, killing people. Yeah, piece of shit. Some guy who takes takes it upon himself to afflict others who don't agree with his same, I guess, religious beliefs, social beliefs, where he has to go ahead and attack innocent civilians at a rock show. Yeah, A uh, class act, Rob Lowe, on Twitter, yeah. saying, uh, now France closes the borders? Like what a dick! Seriously? Did he really say that? Yeah, that's Piece of junk. incredibly tone deaf. Yeah, he's he's an idiot. What's that new show he has? I hope he uh, that uh, show dies. Let's cancel it. Yeah, well, poor Fred Savage is on there. He's probably like, oh, come on, man. This has shattered all my thoughts about Rob Lowe because I always thought him to be such a deep thinker. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I always turn to him, and whenever, in any time of crisis, I always wonder what Rob Lowe's opinion is. Right. W- I always w- turn to Rob R-L-D. Lowe. I have Rob Lowe alerts on my phone, and every every time he says something political, I, it it pops up. Well, see, that was what I was going to ask you. How did you know? I just happened to go said. on Twitter and see someone like retweet his tweet. Like, what the fuck's wrong with this dude? <laughs> I do have to say, this is, this is Rob Lowe's latest gangbang. Yeah, this is Rob Lowe with Directv. This is Rob Lowe <laughs> ruining my career on Twitter. 
I do have to say, and I usually don't have anything to say about Twitter, but I did see that, and I can't believe this is coming out of my mouth, so there is a hashtag that is trending uh, that's like open door or something similar to that. Maybe it's open door in French, but people who are stuck in Paris who don't want to take the subway to right, go home. Right, I saw this, yeah. That people who live in the city center in the in the areas that have not been affected by this horrible thing are saying, hey... Our door's open. Come stay with us if you want to. And I think that's incredibly cool. Yeah. So if you're stuck out, if for some reason you're listening to this program in France <laughs> and you're stuck out on the street and you have nowhere to go, but people are opening their uh, doors to you. So you can you may uh, enter their homes like the old days. Stay out of Rob Lowe's pied terre though. <laughs> What's a pied de terre? <laughs> yeah, right? it's, a, it's a second home it's in a the freedom, city. It's a freedom oh. apartment. <laughs> yeah. So they've closed the borders down there. The... Uh, I think the trains and the planes are still running. And it reminds me of, of 9-11 in the way that the, the, the real terror is not knowing whether it's over. Right. And you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow or you don't know what's going to happen later. So hopefully nothing. And that's that's it. Weird things going on in France. The National Front Party has come to prominence somehow where their representative is now the forerunner for the 2017 elections. I can't begin to wrap my head around that. Oh, I'm completely unsurprised by uh, that. Uh, I, I, I think they're, they're really helping him out. <laughs> I, think, I think he's a shoo-in. How are you doing, Ryan? Okay. Nice to see you. Glad Good you can make here. it. Thanks for showing up today. Good to see you guys. Yeah. Any, anytime. Hey, Ryan, how'd you make out in uh, Atlantic City? I did okay. Nice. Yeah. Came I out made, ahead? I made out with John. What? <laughs> <laughs> A little later in the program... Hey, what happens in AC stays in AC. We're going to have uh, a man called Dan Epstein calling in. He's an author. He's written a, a few books. He's written one called Big Hair and Plastic Grass, a funky ride through what, Brian? 70s? Through, through baseball. The, the baseball 70s. in the 70s. Baseball yeah. in the 70s, which is... I just started reading the book. I'm, not, I'm a little bit into it, and it's awesome. I mean, I could talk about... If you want to keep your mind off all this bullshit, you know, baseball is probably the thing we should be talking about, <laughs> especially well, baseball in the 70s. With the uh, you know amazing uniforms, afros, sideburns, the thing that you know uh, flipped baseball on its head pretty much from its conservative days of hey all the players were insulated in his locker rooms and nobody ever said anything about it and then all of a sudden seventies comes along and there's the drugs, the sex, the uh, you know the protests, the political uh, knowledge and everything comes together and the baseball players reflect society and this is what we'll be talking to Dan about. He's right. also got another book called Stars and Strikes. About uh, baseball in, in the nineteen seventy six, right? Which is the bicentennial year. Right, that's his new book. Right, that's his new book, and we'll be talking to Dan at nine p.m. Eastern time. Right, and we look forward to that. You got any bicentennial fire hydrants around here, John? <laughs> <laughs> is that why they're painted red, white, and blue? Yeah, yeah. that right. was for the that was nineteen seventy six. People did that. Uh huh. I always wondered why, like some of my friends had a fucking American flag. Uh, Fire hydrant in front yeah, of their house. Right, yeah, I yeah, thought yeah. they just like people just. I thought like the homeowner painted it. No, yeah. no, city to hey, get the hell out of here. Right, yeah. right. Oh my god, one of the mysteries of life has just been solved for me. <laughs> right. Hey Walsh. Yeah. Where were you, if you remember, on uh, the Fourth of July of nineteen seventy six? I have no fucking clue. You don't. I know. I remember where I am. We're I about the same two. age. I was at a day two. Camp. Two. Do you, <laughs> do you guys remember Robin Hood Day Camp out here in Queens? It's fucking ponderous. No. This is your kids didn't go there, John. Day camp. Yeah. Oh no, oh, we okay. went to Casino. I, I, I went to Casino. Remember that? I went to uh, <laughs> Casino Park Day Camp. That's where I was, and it was a horror. What about Young People's Day Camp? I remember that. Remember it was that. Oh, a smiley face. I, yeah, I, yeah I, exactly. I, the creepy TV ads. <laughs> I, I had to stay home in a concentration <laughs> camp. <Yeah. laughs> that was like the other camp for meatballs. 
we, we didn't we didn't talk to the, the happy day day campers. Right, <laughs> the Shellyville. Yeah, I always people. thought that the young people's day camps were for kids that couldn't afford to go to day camp. Am was I the wrong? Fresh Air Fund, something like that. Citified kids that right. couldn't go know. to the woods. It's still around though. Is it? Yeah. A couple of years ago, yeah. I was looking for some way to drop off my kids, and uh, <laughs> it came up in an internet search. <laughs> there it was. So I was Look, like, God, maybe listen, I'll do that. I'm looking to unload these little bastards. <laughs> hey, you watch my kids for me. Yeah. I'll be right back. I'm going to 7-Eleven. How many balloons does it take to float a 90-pound punk? <laughs> <laughs> so, Ryan, going back to last week, did you like the Peanuts movie? Oh, yeah, it was brilliant. Were you really at the Peanuts movie? It was a real tour de force. Yeah. Or was that a oh, bit? Of course. No, I, yeah, I don't believe it for a second. Yeah, no, it's a, it was great. I'm thinking about going again tomorrow. All right. Did uh, Lucy kick the ball? Yeah. Nope. Charlie Brown. I once farted at the beginning of Master of Puppets. (laughs) (laughs) How was the show last week? Uh, What did I miss? It was great without you. We're thinking of going a new direction. That's it. (laughs) I'm thinking of going a new direction. (laughs) (laughs) Back to the movies. Did you come straight here from work? (laughs) I stopped at home. Oh, you did? Okay. That's a long day for you. You're at work all day, and then you usually come like straight here, right? Yeah. 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 It's. it's, this is this is my big day of the week. So. Right. Well, might as well, you know, might as well go all out. I'll and do. then when I play poker, it's I'm triple shifting it. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, a lot of times Ryan's like, listen, I don't want to, you know, hang out, play poker. And then he hangs out and doesn't play poker, and everyone at the table gets mad that he's not <laughs> playing poker. Or like, I do what he's I been did here for time. an hour, cuz. Why is he not sitting at the table? Or I do what I did two weeks ago, and all right, I'll play for $20. And then I walk out of here with like 150 Yeah, you nice. son of a bitch. <laughs> you bastard. Three o'clock in the morning. I lost. Right. Thanks for talking, man. I always assholes. lose money right before I go to Atlantic City. I'm like, oh, this will be good. I'll, I'll I'll play and then I'll be practiced and ready to go. And mm-hmm. I always lose before I, you know, at the time you really need to go with a bankroll. I always lose. Always. I, I definitely feel the trip wasn't enough time. I did want to sit down at a poker table, but that, you really do have to set yourself up for like six hours of playing. We just didn't have time to do that. Right. It wasn't you, the, it you was arrived a, on Saturday afternoon and came back Sunday afternoon. We had like a yes. yeah exactly. Well, I came back like Sunday night, but uh, that's oh, all did other you get all stuck in traffic? And I, stuff I, it took me two hours to drive Colette's cousin uh, to Brooklyn, no. and then come by the time it was, I arrived in front of your house to drop off Frank at the car at five forty. After I dropped you off at like three thirty, oh. and then I had to drive to my dad's house. So I got there at like six thirty. And then by the time I got home, it was like eight o'clock. So, oh man, yeah, it was, I'm it was, sorry, dude. That's <laughs> thanks for driving. <laughs> <laughs> I knew what I was that in for. Sucks, but oh, uh, dude, I didn't think that. You know, you should have dropped that uh, Tommy off at a, some at subway a train station. station. Yeah, I know you're right. You're right. And I kept telling myself I should do that, but I, I just didn't want to. Yeah, no, I know. You, you know, I, nice I don't know him that well, but every, you know, he's he's a good guy. Yeah. I, I just didn't want to leave him straight. All right, you get out here. You know, I'll let right. you off on Fourteenth Street. But he would have got home in a half an hour. He would have saved yeah. a lot of time too. Yep. But yeah, uh, I've been stuck in traffic with you. It sucks. Not with you. I mean, not that it sucks being with you. I just mean the last time I was right. in like traffic oh, for that was two and a half hours. Yeah, it, no, it what, what, what he meant was that you're terrible company. Yeah. That's what he meant. <laughs> oh, I thought you meant that the traffic was bothering. No, no what no, I meant no. is you, you need yeah, a, no, that I, yeah, I, I understand. You need a GPS with the uh, traffic highlights on there is what I'm trying to tell you. <laughs> Ryan did a great job driving. Woods. Ryan drives very fast, and of course, you know Pat. You know me in a car. I'm like a I'm like a nervous old lady. Oh, you are grabbing onto the handles. Yeah, he only grabbed the handle once. Uh, so. Hitting the fake brakes. <laughs> did you guys see a show with the Borgata? Oh, we saw a show. Already. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Jim Brewer horror show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was fun. There wasn't much time, like you said, to sit down at a table for six hours and play poker. It was more like a 
oh, I'll just gonna throw this money in this machine or play blackjack or roulette for for an hour. And you know, because mostly mostly it was social, and we're sitting there talking to those guys, and you don't want to be rude and just like you know. Now, was this a wedding or a bachelor party? A bachelor party. Huh. Yeah. So, which casino was it at? Caesars, which you wouldn't believe, Jody, on a Saturday night, dead. Oh, yeah. I, I believe it. Dead. That place is so Caesars is down. horrible. Oh, it's so Caesars. There was no Caesars one. On a Saturday night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, AC is on the decline, too. You've noticed that. Well, one of the reasons See, why. See, but Harris, I usually go to Harris, and the place is jumping on Saturday night. So, you can't even, you forget, you can't even sit down. There was no one there. It well, was empty. There's sort of an, an informal boycott against Caesars. Because oh, is there? Caesars is actively trying to keep uh, some poker sites from I it was operating. A, I thought it was a Roman thing. Well, yeah, that too. You know, they have real lions in, in the Colosseum. They killed Jesus. <laughs> Latin's dead. Get over it. We've come to kill Caesar, not to They actually, him. if you go into the lobby, they have this giant um, Jesus on a cross <laughs> and the Romans throwing rocks at him. It's great. It's part of the floor show. Yeah. yeah gambling away his clothing. <laughs> but yeah, a lot of people are kind of not happy with the way Caesars is conducting business, so they voted with their feet. And I, for one, am uh, happy because that place is kind of a hole. John, right. we're, we're scabs. Are I, you saying that? I tried C- voting with my feet once, and it was really hard to pull the levers. Chunk. <laughs> <laughs> Um, are you saying that Caesars is against like the online poker thing, and they're lobbying against that? Well, Caesars has their own uh, online gaming company and right. they are uh, making it difficult for other companies to get operating licenses in New Jersey. I don't even think Caesars has a poker room. No, they don't. I think it's in Bally's Wild West, but you could walk over to the uh, through the like this <laughs> the sky bridge. Yeah, the sky bridge. Yeah. <laughs> Bally's Wild West. I've yeah, been there it's too. The Wild West. There's like a mechanical, mechanical bull with no one riding and like two people playing poker and like and then 10 people doing crack right outside the door. If you're going to play <laughs> poker in Atlantic City, the only place to go is either the Trop or the Borgata. Oh, God, is really nice. Yeah, but see, I remember last time I played poker at a, a Bally's Wild West, you go outside, and it's literally the, the fucking Wild, wild West. West. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you want to see a wild scene, you just you just venture off the boardwalk yeah, a little just, bit. you just go outside for a cigarette, and you, you will meet uh, a lot of different characters. <laughs> Most of them- That's uh, such a nice way to high say as a kind. characters. Yeah. And they're always looking for something. There's all sorts of schemes running out there outside those doors. It's great. Yeah, I don't go to the White House after dark because it's too it's too sketchy. Uh, it sounds like an HBO show. <laughs> what White House after? We dark? We didn't go to the White House. That's we totally forgot to do that. You we didn't did. go to the White House. We didn't really uh, have time. <clears throat> yeah, we, had, we were gonna have a big dinner. There was the the whole thing revolved around this a dinner. dinner yeah. it, it was like a three hour dinner. The too. dinner was long. Yeah, it was good though. It was good. And that was at the Trop. Remember, we did go to the Trop for dinner. Did you go to Carmine's or Cuba oh, Libre? Oh, this or? was the best. Uh, we went to Cuba, Cuba Libre. Cuba Libre yeah. is, is a really great place. It's good. Yeah. The um, the uh, all the appetizers were fantastic. Yeah, like uh, fried plantains and all the sauces and uh, fritters and empanadas, some shrimps, some shrimps. So I'm not a big shrimp guy, but mm-hmm. uh, the but then the meal was like mediocre, the steak, but it was great. Yeah, it was good. And we had like open bar, so we could drink whatever you want. I'm like, oh, I'll try. I, I thought of Jody. I said, let me have a. I'll order a Malbec, and I didn't like that, so I ordered a whiskey, and I took one sip of that, and then I ordered something, <laughs> something else. This is fucking you're, great. You're exactly the fucking kind of schnorr that keeps people from having open bars. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, well, I, I never do that, but I was like, fuck. Exactly. This guy's doing the fucking royal sample. <laughs> <laughs> the royal sample is what I had. It was great. <laughs> 
Oh, let me try a sip of that. Every time the the guy came by, which was like every two seconds, like you need anything, I'm like, yeah, I do. I, yeah. I'll take a. Uh, yeah, I'll take let all. Get a, let me get a whole glass of sweet vermouth. <laughs> yeah. Leave the bottle, sir. Yeah. Sir, <laughs> sir, you don't usually serve it like that. Yeah, well, open bar. <laughs> yeah, let me try a uh, gin and grape juice and turkey. <laughs> and if I don't like it, who cares? I'll just leave it on the table. <laughs> I was drinking sangria, blah blah blah. But uh, what was the, the point of the story? Uh. <laughs> The meal. <laughs> uh, something really funny happened outside that Cooper Libre restaurant. So outside the restaurant is just like this this courtyard of you know Vegas nonsense. With like it looks like you're outside on on a street, but you're really you're inside. supposed to be in Havana, and it's not really. Yeah, Havana. and they like have a, a raised ceiling which is painted with the sky. You know what I mean? <laughs> and right. the jalopy car outside. The and there's like a fake sunrise going on and everything yeah. like that. So you go outside, and uh, this guy is proposing to his girlfriend or his fiance. Well, his fiance now. So this young kid is like, gets down on one knee and proposes to his his uh, girlfriend, and the place goes nuts. Everyone's clapping, you know, just everyone who's milling about and standing outside the restaurant. And they everyone starts clapping and clapping. So, uh, Meatloaf was playing that night. <laughs> what? That's right. <laughs> it was sold out. Sold out. Meatloaf, Meatloaf was sold it out. It was the only concert on the poster that was sold out. It was Meatloaf. Whoa. So people hear people clapping. And these girls come running out of the restaurant going, where's, is it Meatloaf? Where's Meatloaf? <laughs> they think it's fucking like, you know, like uh, a celebrity sighting. Yeah. Like, uh, uh, what's his name? Burt Young standing there with right. the, with the, th- with the sign outside the limo. <laughs> yeah, I'm just supposed Bruce to meet him here, kid. Yeah, Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> sure. They weren't talking about the dinner, the early bird special. <laughs> where's Try the meatloaf? meatloaf. Try the Meatloaf. It was fantastic. I was told there'd be Meatloaf. <laughs> I want to see Meatloaf. They were very excited. <laughs> to see meatloaf, but there was no meatloaf to see. <laughs> Mr. Meat was in his hotel room preparing, I'm sure. Mr. Loaf. It was just a steam tray. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of wish I knew he was playing that night, though. Do you think right. Meatloaf still like sits in his hotel room or in his suite and he like, psychs himself up for the gig? Like He seems like that kind of guy. I, do you I think he's ever yelled at somebody? He does. Do you right. think he's ever yelled at somebody, hey, man, I'm fucking Meatloaf. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have a feeling like Meatloaf seems like a nice guy. I don't know what it is, Get but also your, he's got a dark side. Right, S- Scott, give me a cherry coke right now. I'm Bob fucking meatloaf. <laughs> Scott yeah. Ian married his daughter. He's got to be. <laughs> How do you think he feels about that? Yes, Mister Loaf. What would you like uh, for dinner? Um, listen, I, I know this is going to sound crazy, <laughs> but I'm feeling. I'm, but I haven't had it in a while. I'm just saying, it's been, you know, it's a special occasion. Come on, I'm in Atlantic City. I feel funny asking. <laughs> I've been I've been reading your Yelp reviews and apparently <laughs> right it's the main a, dish there's a particular dish you do that you do really really well right I feel like ordering the uh, mahi mahi just because I'm embarrassed are you but... gonna are you gonna make me say it it has breadcrumbs right. meat it's, it's like a burger but without the bun right uh, yeah just give me a hamburger with no bun and season it really nicely and, <laughs> and put it in it, the shape of a square yeah and make it. 18 inches long. Let's, Char- let's, charge it to meatloaf. Right, let's take a barrage vote. Do you guys like it with tomato sauce or brown gravy? <laughs> he goes up to the, he's got a credit card, just says fucking meatloaf on <laughs> John, tomato sauce or brown gravy? He's got a- No, food. never say gravy. That's for- dr- no, 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 no. Tomato sauce, red tomato sauce or brown like turkey gravy oh. on, your, on your meatloaf. Oh, totally brown gravy. Who eats tomato sauce on the meatloaf? Oh, a lot of people. Well, those people are idiots. No, <laughs> no. His credit card is made out of meatloaf. That's that's a that's a crime against humanity. I happen to be a brown gravy guy as well. Well, but and there's a lot everyone of should. What well, was the first option? Ketchup? No, no. A lot of people put 
tomato sauce. Tomato Red sauce. sauce. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I'll eat it any either way. Okay. <laughs> Conan. My on the mother chat. used to put bacon on it. She used to line it with bacon. That was fucking delicious. But God, I'll never eat that again. <laughs> 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 oh, am I kidding? With, he says with, with longing in his voice, I'll never eat uh, it again. Thanks for listening to live from the barrage here on Radio Nope. Call in seven one eight five seven seven two seven one six. Yeah. Call in with your meatloaf recipe. Yes, if you have a meatloaf recipe, we'd love to hear it. (laughs) Add a dash of rock and roll, a dash of badassery, and a dash of wild man. And then we're going all the way tonight. (laughs) It'd be great if they just had the concert, they just put a meatloaf in the middle of the stage with a band playing around it. (laughs) Now, normally... (laughs) April Uh, Normally, I I frown at... Pretty much putting ketchup on anything except for like a drop on a burger. If you want to have it with your fries, it's up to you. Fine. How do you take your fries? Never on a hot dog. I just use salt. Okay, never on fries. Agreed. But uh, <laughs> no, I will dip a fry in ketchup <laughs> once in a while just to make sure I'm right. That's un-American. <laughs> just to make sure. Yeah, you're just right. to reaffirm that uh, I, I've always been right. But but on the chat box, bad comrade is saying that ketchup, ketchup and meatloaf actually do go. I won't eat it. They do go. But did I don't you, frown upon did that. Did you just say ketchup? Yeah, people be eat meatloaf with ketchup all the time. Ketchup, yeah. that's pretty ketchup. common. Yeah, you, you gotta, never you heard gotta, of that. You got to catch up with ketchup. You got to get out of New Jersey. <laughs> I love it there. Can tomato you help sauce. Me with my ketchup problem. Well, the, you know what? Meatloaf with tomato sauce is just fucking spaghetti, uh, spaghetti meatball. Meatballs with no spaghetti. Why not just make them into bowl? I don't know. You say it like it's a bet. Why not just put your burger on a bun? Why? <laughs> my grandfather had balls. <laughs> there, buddy. <laughs> My, or something. If, you if your grandmother had balls, uh, yeah. What did I say? If my grandfather had balls, <laughs> if my grandfather had balls, he would have went to WW two. Yeah, but he stayed home. <laughs> Said he was flat footed. Yeah. <laughs> he was just like, I'm Irish. I don't know what you guys are talking about. <laughs> I'm on the run. Uh, my dad co- told me a crazy story at dinner the other night. What'd you have? <laughs> what did I have? I had the uh, meatloaf with ketchup. Yeah, for my mom's birthday. No, I had uh, it was Italian uh, restaurant. <laughs> Meet you anytime you want. Uh, I had the I don't know pasta fazoli or something. I forget. What did I have? Oh, I had, uh, I can't. I had a, I had a veal parmesan. I was bad. Tommy wouldn't like that. That's good. That poor baby cow. No, I had a veal franchise, and it was ah, oh, it's yeah. good stuff. The sauce was great, but yeah. the the breading was kind of falling off the meat because that's you know the it's sauce is soaked in the sauce. Eh, yeah, don't so, it is, don't worry about the veal because it turned out it was only going to grow up and turn into a steak. It was fun. <laughs> it was look, fun. look, guys, guys, look. There's there's no breading on franchise. Yeah. The so it was a story anyway. I, I go, oh, Dad, the Market Diner in, on the West Side is closing. You know, have you heard that, Jody? Yes. And the Market Diner was a diner that's been there since I don't know the fifties, maybe before that. It's awesome. the mainstay in the in the neighborhood. That's closed down, and they were gutting it out and putting a fifteen-story high-rise or some shit. There. Of course they were. So I tell my dad, and he's like, "Oh, oh yeah, the Market Diner. Yeah, he goes, oh, I could tell you a story about that place." <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, and he's like, "No, I shouldn't." I'm like, uh, "Yeah." He goes, "Oh, you're old enough." I go, "I'm forty. <laughs> that you're old enough. I'm fucking forty. Yeah, old enough." <laughs> I was gonna wait till you were fifty to tell you this, <laughs> but now you know you're forty. I'll tell you. He's <laughs> gonna save it for your retirement party. <laughs> he goes, uh, his brother Tommy, rest in peace, uh, was at the diner, and he was there with this uh, guy uh, they call Butter. I don't want to say his last name. Butter, delicious. And so uh, 
Tommy always carried a gun. My my uncle Tommy. So uh, the guy Butter goes up to him. He goes, "Hey Tommy, you got your piece on you?" He goes, "These two guys from Jersey at the at the table over there. You know, he's like, give me a problem." And Tommy goes, "No, I don't. Have, I don't have my gun today." And he didn't. So Butter stabbed my uncle Tommy. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> Because he was like tricked him into telling him he didn't have his gun. He's like, okay, good. <laughs> and he gave him three hell? shots to the ribs or whatever. The nice shit. So we're laughing. So now, so now the everyone now my dad has to like sit down with a couple of people and be like, all right, should I write a broke or some kind? Of, listen, all right. When Tommy's in the diner, you know, Tommy lived at, at, the, at this point. When Tommy's in the diner, you know, Butter can't go in there or the bar or whatever. And when Butter's in there, Tommy won't go in there. And this is the deal, you know. <laughs> So, uh, anyway, the dude ends up, like, shooting. Tommy ends up shooting the guy in the bathroom three times. What? what? <laughs> oh, my God. He lived, too. The f- everyone lived back then. You can get stabbed <laughs> and shot, and no one died. It was men were now, men. Now you can't oh eat God. fucking gluten. This guy's, yeah. this guy's with cement shoes. They're still alive at the bottom of the Hudson. Yeah. <laughs> you know, no one died. It was great. It was just like, you know. Did your dad say Why? This no, like was there some underlying beef yeah, that had been stewing it's, for? It's what beef it always stew. is. Probably something really stupid, it you know, over a girl or 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 he was putting ketchup on his meatloaf. A gambling, <laughs> yeah, a gambling dead or some bullshit. I don't know. I don't know why. So now my cousin Tommy's on the run, and uh, he uh, he ends up going to Dallas. So now the cops are coming to my dad packs him a suitcase <laughs> and comes outside to send him to Dallas. As my dad walks outside the apartment, the detectives come up. They go, what's your name? He goes, who? And they throw him up against the wall and arrest him, thinking that he's Tommy. So my dad's like, no, it's not me. You know, he's got the suitcase. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, clearly running, sir. Yeah. So then uh, he goes, by this time, I know, like, Tommy's like, whatever. He goes, I'll tell you what. I'll go. The detectives are like, listen, we don't. They give him the line of shit that we don't want to arrest Tommy. We just want to uh, we just want to find the gun and get it so no one else. <laughs> we just gets want hurt. to talk to him. Yeah, no one else gets hurt. So now the cops are afraid to go in the bars, so they they send my dad into the bars. My dad goes, "I'll look for him," you know. So my dad knows full well the guy's halfway to Dallas. So he goes, "Yeah, I'll look, I'll, I'll look in the bars for you," you know. So the cops, he goes, "Listen, but I need money." He's like, <laughs> "Beers aren't free," you know. So the cops <laughs> give him five bucks. So he goes into one bar and beers are a quarter. <laughs> <laughs> So he goes into one bar, sucks down a beer, and he keeps running this scam like all the way down the block. The cops say he knows he's nowhere. Yeah, let me, all right, let me go in. He's probably in there. And he come out a half hour later, like busted up, and keep going to every bar and just get drunk on the cops' dime, knowing full well he was gonna tell him shit. So it was it was fucking funny. I, I thought I thought he was gonna let them collar him and then let them figure it out at the station. Yeah, yeah. And now <laughs> after another tell, good move. After he tells me this story, the, the story of my uncle Tommy dying by uh, shooting himself. Accidentally with a gun doesn't sound so plausible anymore. I, I would like to know the real story. One <laughs> day, wow. we, we got to get my dad in here because yeah. I mean, you know, I'm sure your dad has some incredibly yeah, I don't awesome want to, and terrifying we're, stories. Yeah, we're gonna have this to is him. all, um, by the way, any resemblance to <clears throat> anyone living or dead is really coincidental. This is not real, just reality a, at all. This is an entertainment show, ladies no. and gentlemen. A fake story I just yeah. made it's, up. It's but, a plot from next no, season's is, uh, public morals show. Is, it's a comedy yeah. show. It's like War of the World. <laughs> yeah, exactly. War of the West like, Side. It's like all those other podcasts you listen to. It's not, not based in reality at right. all. Right, yeah. Hey, uh, okay, uh, what's, your pro- what's your problem with your carburetor, sir? There's also Hello? a statue of limitations. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't think anything ever happened because, uh, you know, the guy who got shot was like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I-, I think I shot myself three times by accident. <laughs> <laughs> 
I fell on some bullets. I fell on some bullets. I don't know what you're talking about. I thought it was a fucking motor. Yeah. So he probably came back and everything was fine. <laughs> we hit a deer. Yeah. I need your knife to cut it up. Yeah, and the you know the wit- there's, there's witnesses in the diner in the or whatever. They don't want to say anything, and the guy who got shot doesn't want to say anything. Case closed. See you later. Did you see? Uh, <laughs> did you see Asaro got off today? Yeah, Mario's yeah. Mario's uncle. I was, I was in the papers today. He got <laughs> off yesterday. <laughs> but uh, there's a, a a quote in the Times. They were going around knocking on doors at South Ozone Park. And everybody's <laughs> like. Like, yeah, great, man. Like, I thought those charges were bullshit, blah, blah, blah. And there was one person who didn't want to be named. She goes, she goes, well, uh, she goes, I did think it was a little strange that came after him all this time, but uh, you're not going to use my name, right? Yeah. Go, Why? <laughs> she goes, well, because, you know, what? Uh, I just maybe, well, you know, he's a gangster. <laughs> <laughs> That's the quote in the paper. I mean, he's a gangster. Yeah. Yeah, well, where I grew up in the Bronx, there was a lot of guys like that who worked in construction or waste management. And, you know, it's like you didn't ask too many questions about what the things in their garages were. Or, it's none of my business. You know, yeah, it's like you didn't see it happen. And even if you did, it didn't have anything to do with you. So don't ask. Not my problem. Sure, Gina's dad's real cool. He picked us up from school one day. <laughs> you know, it's like, you don't talk about What kind of car did he have? I don't, I don't know. Were you in it? I don't know. He was driving a pink Cadillac convertible. I don't know. This guy seems on the level to me. <laughs> Took him three days to thaw him out. Yeah. <laughs> he had a Yugo. <laughs> You're listening to Live from the Broad here on Radio Nope. In a little while, in about a half an hour exactly, we'll have uh, Dan Epstein, and he wrote a book called Big Hair and Plastic Grass, A Funky Ride Through... Help me. A um, funky ride through baseball in the South. Baseball I, in the 70s. Yes. And uh, that'll be a lot of fun to talk to. If you're just tuning in. I'm loving your radio voice, John. Thank you. <laughs> I'm feeling like <laughs> really weird on, today. Yeah. This whole uh, France thing's got yeah, me like kind of fucked I'm, up. I'm really upset, too. I'm trying to power through. We're, we put the Knicks game on to, to keep our minds off, and hopefully we'll be talking about some baseball. This will probably make us more upset. Right, John. It's a, it's a funky ride through baseball and America in the swinging 70s. Nice. Because it all ties in together. It really does. Yeah, baseball think, is as a reflection of the, what, what's going on in the country, which had never happened before. Hey, uh, Brian, yeah. how old were you the first time you went to a baseball game? What year, actually, I should say? Uh, I don't know the exact year. It was definitely at Shea, yeah. and I definitely walked there. You and walked it, there, huh? Yep, because oh, right. my grandparents lived on Maine. And oh, I was okay. able did to you walk, walk uphill both ways, barefoot, Uh huh. in the snow? I did. <laughs> so I don't remember who they played. It was before. It was the 70s. Uh, and I remember I didn't pay to get in because the guy working the gate knew my grandmother. There you go. Yeah, the first time I went was the 70s also. I think it was 79. Yeah, I'm 78, 79. It was a doubleheader against the Pirates. In the first inning of the first game, I got stung on the uh, my uh, index finger by a bee, <laughs> and uh, my father wouldn't leave. <laughs> oh, He's well, one I, of these guys that will never, ever leave a game until it's over, now, even if they're losing 22 to 0. Yeah, and, and so I was in excruciating pain for eight hours. Well, Ryan, good thing you're not allergic, or are you? And it was, no, I'm not Where's allergic. Where's this going? All right. And it was fireworks night, too. So every time there was a home run, and there must have been about <laughs> 10 home runs that day, they blew off the fireworks. It was, I, uh, I was uh, so young. Killer B night, fireworks right. night. And, and I was, uh, I was scared bro- of fireworks at that bro- time. Broken so. ladder night. So every time the fireworks Airborne went off, night. I couldn't right. put my fingers in my ear because my hand hurt too much. Oh, so man. I, was, I, was in, I, was, I hated That's baseball a bad for a few baseball. years after that. So, so the next baseball game you went to was when you were 25? Probably 1984. <laughs> right. It was the next time I went. God, that's worse than my 
first. Everyone gets yeah. hit by a screeching line drive tonight. It's a place where terrible things happen. That's more, what I was thinking. More so horrifying than my first other experience. It's Chinese star bobblehead night. I also, <laughs> had, I also had no idea what was going on, so I was completely bored, too. We'll ask Dan about the uh, ill-fated 1972 Nunchuck Day riot. <laughs> <laughs> it's Gravity Knife Night. It's also Five Cent Beer Night, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hey, Walsh. Tire together. Walsh, there was actually a uh, manufacturer Hanover Trust gave out baseball bats, full-on baseball bats. So there was baseball yeah, bat night there. Yeah, they still do that. They still do that. No, they're little ones now. No, they're dude. Clubs. I went to the, the, when I went to the Mets-Yankees game. Now right, we know why they're and, out of business. Uh, Mets won. Thank you, Matt Harvey. Right. Um, they gave out Brett Gardner full bats. My, both my kids got full-size baseball bat. I have a, oh, I have a full-size Thurman Munson bat. <laughs> we all smash each other in the face in the stands. It was fantastic. I've seen tremendous. some blood. Uh, yeah, definitely. It does Shea seem complete. And then they ridiculous. give out the mini bats so the kids can get in on it. <laughs> and then you can hide the weapon. <laughs> I think I think the Cubs had a full-size bat day last year or the year before. Look at this moop. This mook. They just showed the stars at the game at the Knicks game and there's Woody, Woody Allen looks like he wants to kill himself. Ah, it's Thor. Thor. There's no Syndergram. Yeah, Willis Reed. Uh, Willis. He's great. I don't know, I don't who, know who these people yeah. are. <laughs> some young kids. I don't know. Some, Who's she? I don't know. Some good-looking chick. With a, well, that actually, she should keep her mouth closed. Know <laughs> 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 it? I wrote it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, tough day, tough day, uh, tough night for everybody. Thanks for tuning in and uh, spending the night with us. It's wish it was under some. Better circumstances, but right. uh, it's tough. It's tough to do a radio show. We're just going to try to power thing. through, folks. Yeah. Believe me, we feel we feel terrible. Hopefully, we're we're helping to take take your mind off it as well. Right. Well, let's talk more about baseball, John. When you were in Louis, when I you were in Louisville, we're, we're trying to cheer people up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when you were in Louisville, Maybe did you some, not uh, wacky sound effects? Did you not? Let's bring... do some sound effects. Right. Didn't you bring <laughs> home? Cheer people up. Why do we cheer people up? Apple juice. We're <laughs> <laughs> talking about practice, man. What? Huh? Oh hell yeah! <laughs> John, didn't you bring home baseball bats? <laughs> Ooh. Um. Go uh, ahead. Didn't you bring home baseball bats from Louisville? Met baseball bats? Cox. Um, yes. I brought back, uh, yeah, they had them in the gift shop. They were two for $10. It was a great go. deal. Oh, you actually bought bats? Yeah. No, little mini ones, yeah. yeah. Oh, oh mini, mini, mini ones. Bats. Yeah. So you get better ones at the stadium. Eat a fucking bag of dicks for all I care. Jody, take it uh, easy. I'm not that hungry. God, that Jody. wasn't me. What? <laughs> I, can, I can barely get down like a third doesn't of a doesn't even bag. sound like me. <laughs> it sounds portion, exactly like portion it. sizes are ridiculous. Well, I'm watching Willis Reed on, on the sidelines, and he looks like he's in he pain. Reading? He is in pain. His, I, his ankle's messed up. He's going to go in the game and <laughs> save our season. I, you know what? Smith. I'm sure he would outperform many of the guys that are currently on the court yeah, right now. Knicks are doing okay, man. I like this Knicks team. They look pretty solid. Thank you. Yeah, did you see uh, that Porzingis guy at the buzzer the other night? Oh, my God. I watched it last night as I was cleaning behind the garage. <laughs> this guy, Porzingis, Porzingis, or whatever his name is. Look at him. He just poor, rolled his eyes. Oh, poor Willis. Willis hey, doesn't like that play. I want to give Willis Reed a hug. He doesn't like basketball. This guy. <laughs> this sucks. What you, how, uh, so how is the uh, championship? I never like the sport. He I told me he was going to church. <laughs> Porzingis lets the ball go, like, Simultaneously with the clock running down and hits a three pointer to win the game, and they they looked at it and waved it off. It was a heartbreaker. Yeah, uh, bullshit. Stone if you're in the NBA, bullshit. shouldn't you like never ever miss a foul shot? 
<laughs> yeah, I think that's that's true. I like I know that, I know guys from the neighborhood who could hit every fucking foul. Well, that was the whole thing with Shaquille O'Neal that he could only hit fifty percent. So right. there was the hack a shack strategy where you would just <laughs> foul him on purpose and hope that he <laughs> right and hope that he misses. We get one point instead of bullying into the into the hoop because he's you know seven feet a million and six hundred pounds. I played hack a shack at Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> <laughs> I think the hack a shack. Um, theory was proven wrong. Like it wasn't, it didn't work out mathematically. So they kind of stopped doing it. <laughs> right. Cause you kept losing players. Yeah. All your players end up on the bench. They end up getting fouled out of the game. Mm-hmm. They end up getting assassinated by Fushnikins. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was the other thing. You just put, like, you put your, the worst Sneaking guy. up on you. you. Put the worst guys out there to hack a shack and the guys you wouldn't even use. And then you use the, your real team for the rest of the game. Yeah. And then next thing I said, like, they were run over by a GMC Denali. <laughs> Everyone's doing okay. Brian, music off, Jody. Yeah, sure. Everything's okay. <laughs> Is everything okay between Brian and Pat? Sure, well, sure. We made out. Up, yeah. up. Let's say what, out. What happened? What's that? What happened? Pat beat me up. I heard you guys had a shoving match. <laughs> Pat be- no, no. Pat, Pat beat me up. Match. That's why I'm sitting between them. Pat kicked my ass. I can take. What are you talking about? Pat, Pat broke my heart. <laughs> he hurt my feelings. What happened? I heard a story. A little birdie told me a story. I said, can I say it on the air? He goes, go ahead. Go ahead. There's no story. What happened? Brian's got a bit of a mouth on him. Did you guys, did you guys <laughs> my, get- My defensive Patrick has a little mouth on him. You guys got physical? No. No. Oh, I heard it was a shoving match. No. No. no, no it wasn't. Not even remotely. <laughs> I still got my feelings hurt. Like I can, like I can take me. That guy works a bar for crying out loud. <laughs> get out, Pat. I would never- I'd take you to the sack. <laughs> <laughs> that took a turn. That better be the pizza place. That's, that's, <laughs> what, that's, what, that's what the tension was all about. Me and Pat were, were, were discovering ourselves. Wasn't what? the sack the restaurant on Saved by the Bell or something like that? <laughs> the Nutsack. Meet me at the Nutsack in the Peach Pit. No, the, the Peach, peach pit, pit was, was 90210. I, got, I can't remember what the one on Saved by the Bell was. Oh, fuck. That's not the it. The chat box. Has the Num Nuts. The chat, the chat box was the name of it. <laughs> Wasn't it like the... the not, oh, the dip or the... the dip. Oh, dip. <laughs> it had like a one-word name, like, you know, the dive or, or right. the something. The sack dip. <laughs> Building's old place. The teabag. <laughs> Wait a second. What was this? What were you guys arguing over? What, I don't even... What were we arguing? It's, argu- it's not appropriate for the air, John, because it, it involves somebody, something else. Oh, uh, I remember now. I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, no. That's uh, yeah. Hmm. Hmm. It also you, get, you can get back to Jody and Brian fighting though. <laughs> yeah, it also, Jody wait, wait. and Brian started fighting as soon as they walked in the door. I wouldn't say that was a fight either. <laughs> but the hell's going on? I this show you. is tension free for <laughs> months. Exactly. Right now we got re- all those people are gone, and now uh, exactly. it's all been nice. This place Brian, is poisoned again. Fucking this shit tension up. Ma- oh, no, tension no, is no. good for the show. On the like contrary, all contrary. <laughs> <laughs> Tension's good. Dovey on the chat box saying snoodle fights. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Arson Smith Brian wanting to know had, if it was like a sissy slap thing. No, no. Brian and I had issues with each other about how each of us communicated with the other one. So we cleared it up. All right. <laughs> we t- talk like adults. Thank you, John. Thank you. We are adults. He's looking for he's looking for like a, like fight dirt. Yeah, of course. You're not going to get it from us, sir. Listen, I got content. I got I got sir. space to fill here. <laughs> you got space to fill. Between your ears. Well, yeah. well, guess what? We if have, you guys get listen. Next time you guys get if anyone gets to a fight. While you're fighting, 
Um, Call in. Try to remember <laughs> as much as you can <laughs> and be prepared to talk about it on the air. You should, you should set up like a dial-a-song type thing. Or can, like a, just a voicemail. Yeah, like, like in mid-fight, we can call in and you can play the tape on the air. If you've had any kind of argument or fight with uh, Jody, Pat, or Brian, please call in. <laughs> God, so, the phones are going to light up now. That's 718-577-2716. <laughs> Our phones are exploding. Yeah. Every, please stop calling in. I can say that, I mean, I know people that, uh, you know, throughout the years of knowing you, Jody, that have disagreed with you. Yes. Um, found <laughs> you, you know, maybe a little standoffish, but no one has ever, ever said to me, Jody's a bitch. Not once. I find that so hard to believe, though. No, I mean, because I, I know people I think am. That. No, well, I don't think. Nah, and I, don't I know, know that I can be an asshole. They have called you a cunt. I'll be editing that out of the podcast. <laughs> No, oh, it's I never mean, happened. No one's been like, I hate Jody. Well, or I think she's to the, the B word. People. <laughs> uh, Jody's cool. No. No, I well, think most people you. are like, what's up with Jody? Why does she hate me? <laughs> <laughs> I think hating you is Jody's got a default setting. That's like where you start off. And no, then you have see. To work no. your way into her good graces. That's, that's not exactly true. Um, I. It, it, oh, we're going to be real now, I guess. Uh, shit's getting real. <laughs> shit's getting real. No, I I feel that my friendship and my respect is something that you should earn. So it's not like I treat people the way that they treat me. And sometimes, right off the bat, people treat me in a way that I don't like because either, you know, my appearance or the way I carry myself or maybe I said something before they actually met me and they heard about it and they come to me and have this attitude. And, and you know, I just, I, I reflect, you know. Yeah. So... It's like if you treat me with respect and and you're nice to me, I will be nice to you back. And right, but why is the onus on the, on the other person to to do it first? Well, I mean, I don't think when I've met people for the first time that I've been standoffish and and horrible. In fact, the first time that I met Dovey, I apologized to him because I had been on this very show. I had told him to shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and and I felt bad about that. So right, I, those are strong words. Like met, calling someone an, an idiot or telling them. But shut the first the fuck time up. I met him, I apologized to him, and I'm like, that was really out of line, and I'm sorry, and I hope you'll forgive me. And he was totally cool about it, you know, right. and so. That's you know I when I make a mistake I cop to it you know yeah so he knows he deserved it too Jimmy on the chat box says he's willing to fight any one of us as long as somebody yells world star constantly <laughs> <laughs> it has to happen in a Waffle House though I did, I should start doing that with my kids when they start bickering world star <laughs> just start taping world them and scream star! world star I'm world gonna do star! that do you flick the lights on and off when <laughs> yeah. they start to fight 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 my fight. mom used to do that. <laughs> yeah. Me and my siblings would be tuning each other up. And my mother would come in and start flicking the lights on and off rapidly. Marge is like, and it's not a competition. Mm, Guess what, yeah. kids? It's- You're playing each other. You're in direct competition. <laughs> each other. Fight, fight, fight. Walsh, my mom did the strobe thing too. It doesn't. What, what's that supposed to do? Stun us? All it just did makes was the fight make, awesome. All it did was make punches you were actually trying to pull connect better. Yeah. Right. It, also, it just like made a, the fight really cool. Like, yeah, exactly. like you were in some kind of crazy dance yeah, hall. Exactly. Right. And it was the 70s too. Right. It was like a discotheque. Right. I've been in near public school riots, cafeteria style, with the lights flash. Like now it's a disco. But it works, though. So why does it work? Is there? Can somebody tell me if there's been like a study done, like an academic study, to explain the psychological reasons why flicking the lights right. actually gets people yeah, to yeah. get your attention? It means the authorities are here, and no kid truly wants to fight. They're fighting until it gets broken up. 
right. when the lights start flashing. But if, but if that's a it's mom perfect. thing, like, how did it start? Yeah. Because I'm pretty sure my mother didn't even have fucking lights where she's from. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, says, is that like an adopter you know, Spock book or something? It takes a really long, <laughs> really long time to light the candle and blow it out. Light the candle and blow it out. Light the exactly, candle. yeah. It was, and, and not to mention a waste of matches. Yeah, right. A precious resource. Yeah. <laughs> You'd rather get the Mets bat? I'll take the strobes. <laughs> oh, the door just blew open. A ghost guest just arrived. Wow. It's Elijah. I'll, go, I'll get it. Ghost guest has arrived. Let's take a break. And at 9 o'clock when we come back, we'll have Dan Epstein on. And he's a baseball writer. And he wrote all about baseball in the 70s. And a topic near and dear to all of our hearts, almost all of us. We'll uh, talk to him. And, uh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, we're going to look at the news uh, during the break and bum ourselves out some more. Yeah, Tom, you better come out, come up with some news like a monkey sl- went down a slip and slide or some <laughs> shit. Uh, Monkeys riding dogs. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the news. All right, we'll be back after this. Yeah. Live in the Broad. Stick around for Dan Epstein. Coming up at 9 o'clock.
On se rejoint là-bas Dessous la roche Pendant la verse Que la route était longue Pour finir dans tes bras Des bâtisseurs 
Lève-toi, c'est décidé, laisse-moi te remplacer, je vais prendre ta douleur. Doucement, sans faire de bruit, comme on réveille la pluie, je vais prendre ta douleur, prendre ta douleur, je vais prendre ta douleur. Elle lutte, elle se débat, mais ne résistera pas, je vais bloquer l'ascenseur. Je vais prendre ta douleur, saboter l'interrupteur. Je vais prendre ta douleur. Mais qui s'est incrusté cette orage? Je vais tout lui confisquer ses fléchettes et son sifflet, je vais lui donner la fessée. Je vais prendre ta douleur, la vraie de la récré. Je vais prendre ta douleur. Mais c'est qui cette héritière qui se baigne, qui saute dans le tiède de tes reins? That's Camille. Uh, if you notice, there's a theme here. I've been playing all French artists for the past three songs. There was uh, Camille. Before that, we heard Francois Brut. And before that, Ulan Bator. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Well, uh, you know, I, I've come to listening to all these French bands. I go, you know what? I really like French bands. I look, I'm, I'm digging it. I'm digging the language, the sexy voices, everything. There's a French band called Sloy, who I think yeah. you would really, really love if oh, you yeah? haven't heard them already. I have some more French bands to play after the break, including uh, many other songs, which I think <laughs> you'll find interesting. We were just talking about. so Yeah, so in a couple of minutes or in, uh, you know, very soon, we'll have Dan Epstein on. He'll be calling in, and he's a uh, baseball expert. What else is he an expert in, Brian? Uh, music? Uh, he was, yeah, he worked for, well, we'll get into it when he calls. He was a, a rock writer or rock editor. We'll ask him about that. 
I think he worked for Revolver. And um, he's all around, all around uh, inter- interesting guy. Do, do you think it's the uh, kind of the kind of the uh, trend that people are more well-rounded than they used to be? Like, do you think that uh, you know, like, all right. Well, the older we get, the more. In, ni- in 1940, like you were a farmer oh. or you were a, an engineer. <laughs> or, and now, you know, I mean, I don't know how many things I do. Well, John, it's, it's fair. a to, lot. It's and I'm master, you know, everyone's a master of none. It's fair to say we're more privileged now. So we're more. You have more opportunities to do more different stuff. Yeah. You don't have to just feed your yeah. family. And, and, yeah, and exactly. Exactly. Go work in the coal mine. I'm a coal miner and that's yep. it. Yep. You know, I also play a little violin. People like get back in the fucking mine. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Can you break some rock with that bow? Right. <laughs> right. Give me a, what's that, a Stradivarius? Yeah, yeah. fuck out of here. Yeah. <laughs> fucking jerk off. Fucking one guy. We're one trying guy, to, big, we, too big for his fucking britches. He's going to wreck the whole crew. Every day we shovel coal. Every day we work in silence. All right. I'm waiting for Epstein to call my cell phone. <laughs> Why your cell said, phone? Because, uh, just confusing numbers. I, oh, you, God. Because I don't remember. No, I sent him. It's always a problem with you guys. I'm waiting for Horshack to call my landline. Oh, (laughs) a letter from Dan Epstein's mother. Actually, let me check my my Gmail. Maybe he's asking me what the number is right now. Uh, I'll tell you the uh, number. Hey, call in 718. Loading. Yep. 577. That's the number to call live from the barrage. You're listening to Radio Nope. We're happy to, ha- happy to have you with us on this uh, awful night, and uh, we appreciate you tuning in. We'll try to uh, do our best to make it better than it is. We'll try to drink ourselves into merriment. Yeah, I mean... Every time you say that... Sorry, Ryan. Oh, I'm sorry. You're every in the bathroom. You, every right? time you say that, though, uh, everybody gets reminded of it, and then we That's get true, depressed but, again. you know, you can't just ignore it. It's something that's happened. <clears throat> Hey, Dan Epstein? This is he. Hey, how you doing, man? Hey, Dan. It's Good. Dan, it's What's Brian. happening, guys? Nothing much. What's going on? This is John from Live from the Raj. Brian's here. Every, we're all here. How, how you been, man? I'm doing all right. I'm, I'm very glad that you asked me to call in tonight because otherwise I would probably be uh, curled up in a field position out of my desk. Yeah. Right. Uh, but instead, I'm uh, cracking a beer and uh, about to talk to you guys about baseball and music. So okay. uh, right. uh, that's a lot better. You know, uh, yeah, it's it's a funny thing about baseball that, you know, no matter what's going on in the country, and this has gone on throughout baseball's history, you know, whether it be in the middle of World Wars where, uh, you know, uh, Joe DiMaggio goes or, or whoever, and, uh, you know, Ted Williams, that, that baseball does not stop. And baseball discussion will always, uh, you know, for a lack of a better word, I don't want to say distract, but you know, it's it's you could t- the the garage right now could be on fire, and I could be arguing with you about you know uh, whether they should have left Matt Harvey in for the ninth inning. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, I mean, and and in some ways, it's it's actually even more fun to talk baseball during the off season when it's all very, you know, it's, it's all very theoretical teams and talking about which moves teams should make or shouldn't make. And, uh, and, uh, you know, looking back on the season that just happened and all, and all of this, uh, when, it, you know, I mean, I love talking baseball year round, but at least right now you're free of the sort of, uh, daily game analysis. Oh and man. Stuff and you can just, 
just kind of kicked back. You know, Dan, I, 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 I don't know if I could have done this interview a week ago because of the, you know, we're all big Mets fans here, so the the, the hang, World Series hangover like looms yeah. so large. I think today was the first time I actually. Uh, I put on a Mets shirt to bum around the house. I'm yeah. like, there's no way I can even like look at it. And right away, even the Mets Twitter and the Mets Facebook is all like, oh, like the, like in, two hours later and the next day posting stuff. It's like, shut up for, an, yeah. for a week. <laughs> We're dying. The wor- It's like you, we just got killed and stabbed in the gut. And they're like, oh, this might happen next year. I'm like, shut, shut up. We don't too care. Soon. Yeah. So, but now I feel like I'm over the hangover and I'm like ready to talk about baseball mm-hmm. again and, and in all of its beauty and glory. Yeah. Also, Dan, <laughs> by the way, we're we're located in Flushing, really close to uh, City Field. I still call it Shea. So right on, we're, yes. uh, we're we're really big, yeah. really big. Well, uh, I did want to ask Dan about that because Dad, uh, Dan. <laughs> Dad, oh, wow, that's a Freudian oh, slip. Right <laughs> tell me about your mother, Dan. T- tell me, take me to the ball game, Dad. Uh, Dan, <laughs> um, uh, your dad grew up in the shadow of Ebbets Field, as you say in the book. And how do you feel about that city field, like kind of mimicking the Ebbets Field? You know, Wilpon's a huge Dodger guy. Do you uh, feel well, that's? I, I I I defer to my dad on on this matter because he, you know, since uh, uh, he's he's been a Mets fan since '62. Um, as as many Brooklyn Dodgers fans of the era, you know, they, they shifted over to the Mets. And he is completely appalled by the uh, the Mets trying to glom on to the Brooklyn Dodgers history by right. making City Field uh, reminiscent of Evans in any ways. Just mm-hmm. like, you know, it's a different team. They don't have the right to do this. And 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 also, I mean, he was a huge fan of Shea. I mean, it, you know, he, he definitely took the "it's a dump, but it's our dump" right exactly. uh, yeah. uh, uh, attitude towards it. I'll have, I'll have you know, I'm an Islanders fan. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, not me. That's that's Pat talking. That's Pat Walsh. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of dumps, you know, I, I'm, I'm well aware of this feeling. The funny thing me is, me and your dad should get together. The funny thing is, like, go, go, when you when you actually when you're a Mets fan, you go to Shea. You don't really realize it's a dump if you've never been to like another stadium <laughs> and you're like what what's the problem why are we knocking it down it's fine like, you know it's like me being a kid and fly, <laughs> flying air lingus all the time and the first time i flew united i'm like they give you a whole can of soda yeah, i gotta <laughs> i gotta say though i love city feel i love the way it's set up i i, I love the whole thing i'm into it I, I i've i've been there once i i actually really enjoyed it and uh thought um, you know, the sight lines were great. Uh, I liked the overall design. I liked the food. Uh, but, but yeah, I, I did think the whole kind of uh, Ebbets knockoff thing is, is, is kind of cheesy. Yeah, it's a weird um, co-opting. And then, they, of course, uh, when, the, when the place first opened in 2009... Uh, oh, well, we still have the Jackie Robinson Plaza, which is great. We should have that. Right. And that's and the, but people were like mad. Oh, well, he's a Dodger. You know, I'm not against anything else, but he's a Dodger. And then there was the place was void of like any Mets memorabilia. Like it wasn't orange and blue, and there was no banners of uh, the championships like hanging around. Like Shea used to have pictures of uh, Daryl Strawberry and everybody else on the walls, and there was right. none of that. It felt branded. And uh, you know they were even like like hide the hide the apple somewhere mm-hmm. like in the in the bullpen entrance. It felt spo- <laughs> uh, sponsored by you know insert 
insert sponsor here. Yeah, it was it, a weird, but then they kind of fixed some of that. So I mean, you know, it's a nice place to see a ball game. I will tell you that. Right. Unless you want to go to see the World Series, and your friend who uh, went to every game with you during the year will leave you in the dust when it's time for the when the chips are back. <laughs> Dan, Dan, there's a backstory there. I'll, I'll tell you offline. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that that's that's not really uh, for me to get involved. In. Yeah, Dan Epstein is the author of Big Hair and Plastic Grass. He's also written a new book called Stars and Strikes, uh, which is about the 1976 baseball season the, in the bicentennial year. Dan, where can we get these books, man? I mean, I bought I bought Big Hair and Plastic Grass. I'm a little bit into it. I didn't get the time to get all the way through it yet, or even part way through it, but some of the way through. He meant a little bit. Yeah. Well, well, th- thank you. Um, you can get a, you can get both books on Amazon. You can get them uh, pretty much anywhere uh, fine baseball books are sold, uh, and and they're they're published by St. Martin's Press, which is fairly legit. So if if you go into a bookstore and they're not there. Uh, the bookstore will certainly be able to order it for you. Yeah, that is decidedly not a vanity press. No, no, I, I, uh, <laughs> I definitely didn't uh, didn't just like crank this out myself on a mimeograph machine. <laughs> and that, this wasn't uh, pla- big hair plastic grass. wasn't your first published book, was it? No, I did a book probably about uh, got uh, ten years before that uh, called Twentieth Century Pop Culture, which mm. was a year-by-year look at various uh, pop culture fads and trends from really from mostly from World War II to uh, 2000. And uh, but but I, I have mixed feelings about that book in retrospect. It was the first book I ever wrote. I was kind of a work for hire project. Um, and then the it, it was a British company that actually hired me to do it, and the book was about to come out in the U.S. Uh, and and the U.S. company that that bought the rights uh, went out of business a week before the book was supposed to come oh, out. Oh man! So <laughs> so that was a nice dagger in the heart. But uh, I eventually uh, got back up on the on the old uh, book writing horse and wrote Big Hair Plastic Grass. Uh, uh, Stars and Strikes, and then uh, there's also an ebook. Um, if you're into the Kindle sort of thing, uh, that I wrote called uh, "Honky Tonk Tourist: The Night Buck Owens Almost Got Me Killed." Oh wow! So, uh, I that. yeah, so I that's that. that's uh, uh, if, if you're into country music uh, I, uh, and uh, tales of honky tonk uh, idiocy, I, I uh, highly recommend you pick that up. Cool. Dan, where'd you grow up? How'd you get into baseball? And uh, what's your what's your team? Um, my two teams are the Tigers and the Cubs. Oh, you can't have two I, teams, Dan. Yeah. It's illegal. <laughs> yeah, you can. Well, you can <laughs> because you're hedging back, your bets. Back when I first got into baseball, there were two leagues that never played each other during the season. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. So, Fair enough, Dan. Oh, you so know, you have a, so you, you double your chances of making the World Series. You have to experience the heartbreak and <laughs> and despair with the rest of us. Well, look, look, you know, uh, rooting for the Tigers and Cubs does not double your chances of making it to the World Series. <laughs> it doubling your misery. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I I grew up um, I grew up in Ann Arbor, Michigan. I mean, I grew up in a lot of places, but Ann Arbor was basically where I was living when I first fell in love with baseball. So the Tigers were my first team. Yes. And 1976 was, was the first year that I really got into baseball. And that was that was a great year to be a Tigers fan because that was the year that Mark Fidrich, the bird, came out of nowhere and became this like folk hero. Uh-huh. So uh, even though the Tigers sucked, 
Uh, they had Fidrich. They had run on the floor. Uh, we just gotten Rusty Staub from the Nets in yeah. exchange for Mickey Lowich, a uh, trade that I know you guys are yeah, uh, still probably pissed about. Worked out great for us. Yeah, we retired his number. <laughs> <laughs> Rusty threw out uh, one of the pitches. That the, uh, Still one of the best trades yeah. we ever made, by the way. Hope Rusty's doing okay. He was having a problem over there in Ireland. But he's yeah, bad. yeah, that was that was scary. I'm he had a heart attack on the plane. Right. They had to turn uh, the plane around. So, so that... So, you know, so that that was – so the Tigers were my first team. Actually, my first National League team was the Dodgers, both because of my dad's yeah. childhood mm-hmm. connection to them. Mm-hmm. And then also my mother was living in L.A. in the 70s. So when we go to we went to ball games out there, we went to see the Dodgers. Um, but then, uh, uh, long story, I wound up in Chicago at the beginning of the 80s and became a Cubs fan. So I, I traded in my Dodger cap for my Cubs cap uh, and, uh, okay. and you're back joined in the Chicago. cult. You're back in Chicago now, right? How's that working out for you? Yeah, I am. Let's go, Mike. Uh, it's actually working out great. <laughs> I, I, I moved back to Chicago three years ago. I'm not three years ago, three months ago, uh, after being in L.A. for 22 years. Did you go to, and did you it's go, really good to be back. Did you go to any of the games? Uh, when we yeah, beat uh, your ass, none of the. <laughs> I didn't go to. I didn't go to any of the postseason games because, of course, like a postseason <laughs> Cubs ticket is like gold. You yeah. know, you, you pretty much have to sell an organ to 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 get one. Right. But I went to several games before the end of the season, season including an amazing game. Uh, it was the final uh, game of the regular season: Cubs versus the Royals, which was a thirteen inning game that the Cubs won one to nothing on a Chris Norfia home run in the bottom of the 13th. So nice. uh, I was really hoping for a Cubs-Royals World Series but uh, so we could get some more of that, but obviously that didn't pan out. Yeah, that, that little small market team called the Kansas City Royals who has a bigger payroll than the Mets. Thank you. Sorry. They yeah, I'm, little, yeah, I'm still bitter. I'm still mad. Square. I'm still angry. I'm fine. I'm <laughs> fine. I'm Everywhere fine. we Every hit game the ball. Was Listen, during, there. during the Cubs season, even though it was a sweep, I mean the Cubs uh, series, even though it was a sweep, every single game, I'm thinking we're going to lose because I'm a Mets fan. I'm like, mm-hmm. we're going to lose. Right. <laughs> we're going to lose every game. It's like, uh, we're winning 9-2. to two. That was the one game. I'm like, okay, I think we'll win maybe. Right. <laughs> you, can, you can breathe easily. Yeah. No, I, I think, I really think, and, and uh, I mean, I certainly felt it from uh, fellow Cubs fans that, like, after they beat the Cardinals, it was kind of like whatever happens from here, you know, it's almost like we don't care because right. we beat the Cardinals, and that, and the, you know that was so huge, and there's so much emotion invested in that. And this Cubs team wasn't supposed to get that far anyway. To, uh, you know, this year, yeah, it's um, us too. That, it's, it's that it was, it was kind of you know, I mean, it sucked getting swept by the Mets, but at the same time, it was just like, hey, okay, you know, good season, and and uh, we'll be back next year. I got to ask you, what do you think of the one-game playoff? Are you in favor of that, or you wish it would go away? Oh, good question. Um, I think I am in favor of it. I, I I think it would be. I mean, obviously the the Pirates got kind of screwed by that, but I, you know, I I, I what am I trying to say? The, the I, it makes it less a little bit less easy for the wildcard team to just kind of come in and be like, you know, we belong here just like everybody else. I, I like that it sort of forces forces a team to fight for that spot. Um, I, I'm not a big fan of the wildcard in general. I, I really do kind of wish that they would 
drastically realign both leagues, and then it would just be, you know, the, the top the top four teams or right. the top two teams from each league going at it. But yeah, you Dan, know, I'm, I'm old, so what do you want? Right, Dan. Back in the '70s, uh, how old of a guy are you anyway? If you don't mind, I am. I am a 49 year old guy. You're 49. So in the '70s, when you grew up in baseball, only four teams made the playoffs. Is that right? That's right, and and you know, I mean, this is the thing. Like, like when you grow up, when you get into the game, it, it makes such a difference in terms of the way you perceive it. Because uh, in 1976, the year that I first fell in love with baseball, uh, the uh, playoffs w- were two teams from each league, uh, winners of the Western and Eastern divisions. But it had only been going like that for seven years. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, to me, that's how it worked. You know, I didn't think like, oh, man, I wish it was back like, you know, in the 1950s when one team won one league and one team won the other. And then it was uh, World Series in the first week of October. So uh, so now, I mean, I, I can totally see a kid who's growing up now is just going to look at this and not bat an eye and not go like, oh, man, this is this is a fucked up arrangement. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it, you know, and, and, and really that was kind of why I wanted to write you know, in a roundabout way. This is kind of why I wanted to write books about seventies baseball in the first place was because growing up in the seventies, I didn't realize how weird the decade was until several decades later when I'm following baseball and I'm going like, God, this is also bland. These, these players are not interesting. Like, you know, there's nothing. There's no weird promotions. There's no fan riots. There's right. no. It's like uh, uh, it's craziness. Like, you know, right before uh, the, the '70s, Dan explains this in the book. Like in 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 the '60s and before that, baseball was this cocooned, regimented thing that, like, uh, outside. In fact, it was so insulated that uh, the Detroit riots are going on, and then the Tigers are playing like nothing's happening, and uh, you know, everyone's. Just no one ever says anything to the media. Then a guy wrote a book. What's the guy's name? He wrote a book called Ball Four. Uh, Jim Bouton. Jim Bouton. Jim Bouton was still playing when he wrote the book, and uh, he writes this book. And it's uh, Dan explains that it's not in today's uh, you know times. It doesn't seem so salacious, but he uh, you know pretty much exposed everybody as poonhounds, and you know these guys aren't the the heroes you thought they'd be they're partiers and they do this and that and whatever and everyone in baseball's pissed off and, I'm, and so pissed off in fact that when he would pitch pete rose one of my favorite parts is pete rose yells at him from the dugout what does he say he's like hey hey fuck you shakespeare that's exactly what he said <laughs> <laughs> and you could totally see pete rose doing that too here's this guy i mean you i thought when i'm when i started reading about that i thought he had written the book Post career, but apparently he's still going out and pitching after he wrote the book. Like I'm sure even his own teammates were pissed off about this. And, oh, and oh it, yeah, they were, they were. And and Joe Pepitone, who was one of his teammates on the Astros, was was <laughs> enormously pissed. And and what's funny about that is that like four or five years later, Joe Pepitone writes a book right. that is way more fallacious yeah. than yeah. Ball and, and Pepitone was pissed off because he's like, hey, that guy's a huge poon hound, and, and then Pepitone writes a book about all the chicks he's banged. <laughs> it's like ridiculous. <laughs> I met Joe Pepitone once, and I got to tell you, all right, on the, on the, in, the, um, you know, in the era of uh, big hair and plastic grass, that guy's hair was all of those things. It was <laughs> exactly. plastic. Yeah, and ab- he's like an extra from absolutely. Goodfellas, you know? He he actually he was telling me that he had 
pretty much a different toupee for each mood. He, uh, he, you know, he had a relatively short one to wear under his cap on the field. And then he had a, and then I just thought he had like a longer one for going out at night. But he told me that's like, he, there were, he had an Afro one for when he like, and, and he said like he would talk black when he had the, the oh, Afro Jesus. one. Oh, and, that's so not you know, nice. Like the hair controlled him. When I saw him, he had like a, uh, like a mic, like a like ratatouille, a, just, just a complete gelled back, right. like Mikey Carbone from Goodfellas, Mike Francesa oh, yeah. kind of do, you know. And it was like, hey, he's nice enough. You like, he's like the guy, you know, Mikey two times. You're like, hey, Joe, how's it going? He's like, hey, good, 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 good. <laughs> Very like, you know. And he couldn't have played for anybody but the Yankees. That guy's pure Yankee all the way. Yeah, although he uh, he played for the Cubs uh, for a couple of years right. in the early seventies, and his stories about playing for the Cubs are insane. The the um, and again, this is you know talk about a completely different era. Fans used to throw drugs onto the field for him <laughs> because they knew he was a partier. Man, they'd right. be they'd be you know he'd get hit in the back with something. He'd turn around, and it's like wadded up tinfoil and he'd oh. open it up and there's like four joints now, wait, inside. Wait, wait, was, was this when he played for the Cubs? Is this before or after they put the nets in to stop the Cubs fans from throwing a, either, you know, items or themselves onto the field? Well, well this, this was like, this was when he was playing for the Cubs in the early 70s and um, and uh, Doc Ellis, when he was playing for the Yankees in, in 76, uh, the fans gave him the same treatment, but uh, uh, the uh, in, in Chicago, the, the fans did this to Pepitone, and what he would do is he would hide the bundles in the ivy, and, <laughs> and the Wrigley Field ivy, and then after the game was over, he'd go back out there again and try to like root through it and see if he could find yeah. the drugs. I was, so, we, I, so, I was so pissed off we hit that double into the ivy. That would have scored two more runs. Bullshit. I was gonna say, Bullshit. I was going to say, sore subject with that ivy. <laughs> Four eight balls fell Stupid ivy. <laughs> You know, every baseball's a weird sport in that and it's also, you know, nice and romantic that every ballpark could be different, but goddamn that stupid Ivy. <laughs> I don't think that Ivy belongs in a regulation. Hey, hey, they go over the ground rules before every game. It's, yeah. It shouldn't have been a surprise to anybody. It's like, uh, you know, uh, if I put a geranium in the middle of uh, half court at the Knicks game. <laughs> the fuck is that? <laughs> put up a, a mistletoe. You have to kiss someone across second. Yeah, right. Hey, you know, I'm just going to leave some garbage in the middle of uh, the football field. It's ground rules, John. Relax. (laughs) Ground rules. I I have a question for you. I have an answer. I have an answer myself I'd like to give. That's Ryan. What what is your absolute favorite fluorescent pajama uniform from the 70s (laughs) out of all the ones that that were out there? He's polyester. I think it's obvious. I think it's obvious. No, it's not well, because it, a lot of even not. the classic teams had incredible ones, like the like yeah. the, uh, the Cardinals, <laughs> and uh, you know they they all except everybody except the Yankees. Go on, I'm sorry because well, they're the Yankees. Well, they're boring. I mean, it, it, right? It was like the Cardinals had the like a lot of the teams of, of the '70s had that great uh, for their away year, the road uniforms. They went with the powder blues. Right. And I love right. uh, the White Sox, uh, early 70s powder blues. The Phillies had powder blues. The Twins. I mean, it, it, it's. I, I really think that's something that teams should bring back. Yeah, it calls to mind Mike, Mike Schmidt in that powder blue uniform. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so good. So good. I mean, I, I think the quintessential one in many ways is the Houston Astros to keep right. sunrise. Yeah. Without, without question. Well, it, it, what, I do but, have to say real quick. I'm sorry. The most underrated one is the Mariners. 
Ooh, oh yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll buy that. I mean, I love the upside down Trident. That yeah, was a yeah, that was a cool. great logo. Actually, I forgot. It's way better than that do. kind of Starbucks logo they've got that going now. M's thing that if they you have. read Dan's book, he'll explain that like uh, before that, but you know, in the seventy <laughs> season, the uniforms are very regimented, and then all of a sudden, you have the Astros with this crazy polyester tequila sunrise uniform. That's just like cool and right, nuts, like with the orange know? and brown and yellow rainbow yeah. and as a reflection of society you know the uh, finally in baseball in the 70s started to reflect what was actually happening outside the walls of the stadium and it's an it's a, it's a really fascinating era i i know that's not a question. yeah it really is and 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 the, the poly going to the polyester really enabled them to um to to wear more colorful to, to incorporate more color into the uniforms because they could, you know, you, you can't go out there with an orange all wool ensemble. That's, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's just not going to take. And it shrinks so, in the wash. Uh, yeah. So, so uh, yeah, I, I mean, I love the, I love the Astros. Um, I mean, I, I hate it, but at the same time, it's just, it just, uh, you know, 1976 was also the first time I ever saw an all-star game on a color television. And I just have this, vivid memory of seeing Cesar Cedeno walk out onto the field at Veterans Stadium in that Tequila Sunrise uh, uniform and seeing it on my grandparents' color TV, it was just like my mind exploded. That was just, you know, it was it was like a psychedelic experience right, for a right. 10-year-old. <laughs> it's funny you bring up uniforms, Ryan, because then the, uh, the uh, damn, what was it, the Seattle Pilots were like a, a kind of a team, but they were going to go bankrupt and uh, then Bud Selig wanted to was dying to bring a team to Milwaukee, and they ended up like sewing the, the Brewers uniforms like an hour before the game or something like, like right. right. That right. The, the pilots existed for one year, nineteen sixty nine. They were one of the uh, one of the American League expansion teams, along with the Kansas City Royals. They won like sixty year. something games or something. Yeah, they, they were terrible, uh, but there was there was actually a lot of underhanded dealing that went on with that and. I kind of get into that in Stars and Strikes uh, more than I do in Big Hair and Plastic Grass because basically uh, Selig and his cohorts in Milwaukee were already working to get the pilots out of Seattle and to Milwaukee before the 69th season even ended. Right. So, uh, and, and ironically, that was, that was the 69 pilots, Jim Bouton, Played for for part of that season, so so he writes about them in Ball Four, uh, going back to our, our earlier topic of conversation. But the um, so so basically, Selig uh, and his cronies work out this really kind of shady deal to get the pilots to Milwaukee, where they become the Brewers. And then the American League keeps telling Seattle, "Oh, you know, we'll hook you up. We'll give you a team. We'll give you a team." And they don't, you know, they, they never come forward with with new new uh, franchise for Seattle. Finally, the city of Seattle has to sue the American League and uh, and the commissioner's office to get a new team. And it's the only time in history that a, team, a city has actually been able to sue Major League Baseball successfully hmm. for a franchise. And that was because what Bud Selig and his cronies did was so whack and so just indefensible in court that uh, that baseball finally just had to go, okay, you're right, uh, we'll give you a team for 1977. Right, and uh, the, how, how many days before the Brewers' season, uh, inaugural season opened, did, were they actually considered a team? It was like 
It was like a week or something. <laughs> yeah, something something like two weeks. <laughs> so and, now you have this team uh, opening up, a, like opening day in Milwaukee, and no one knows what's going on, and all of a sudden you have a baseball team. Right, and and and, and I think the Brewers lost like ten to nothing that day, but it was yeah. just like, but no one in Milwaukee cared <laughs> nine to nothing. Like, I don't want to correct you. Baseball it's nine to back. <laughs> I don't know if you read your own book. It was nine to nothing. <laughs> oh, nine gosh. to nothing. Yeah, well, it's been a while. Yeah, mine like a steel trap, baby. <laughs> well, you brought, up, you brought up Jim Bouton again, and I thought um, if, you, if you wanted to, maybe you could talk a little bit about the Portland Mavericks and uh, their kind of uh, unique position in baseball in the 1970s. Hey, wasn't there a documentary about that? Yes, The Battered Bastards <laughs> of Baseball, which is on it. the Netflix, and it's quite good. Um, yeah, that's a great documentary. Um, they, they, I mean, what most minor league teams are, um, or at least have been since the 1940s, or really the 1930s, uh, when the Cardinals sort of started their whole farm system concept, is that the minor league teams have, by and large, been, um, you know, kind of talent pools for the for major league clubs, like. You know where they can they can put their young prospects to develop, where they can send the the older guys or injured guys down to rehab and or get back on track. And what the Portland Mavericks were were a completely independent team. They were not affiliated with any major league uh, ball club during the seventies, and they came in because I believe the Portland Beavers, one of the all time great baseball <laughs> yeah, club names, name too. Uh, had, had, had left town. <laughs> And so, uh, so the um, this guy who was actually the actor Kurt Russell's father uh, decided he was going to start a baseball team in in Portland minor league team. Uh, definitely, uh, the the roster was definitely populated with uh, castoffs, <laughs> never words. Yeah, uh, you know, just like guys who just you know had always thought that maybe they could. They could throw a pitch in professional baseball, but it never tried. And uh, and the amazing thing about that battered bastards of baseball documentary is that so much footage of the team survives. Yeah, um, because there is so uh, you know, relatively speaking, there is so little footage of 1970s major league baseball that yeah. survives. Yeah. Because uh, most of the games were not televised in the first place, and those that were were often just, you know, kind of trashed after the fact. Um, and, you know, with the exception of the postseason games and the All Star games, it's it's really hard to find footage uh, from from a lot of those games. You know, a well, lot of the legendary when, games uh, just don't, me, don't exist. Correct me if I'm wrong, Dan. This is back when. Uh... People, uh, the owners are so afraid if they put the games on TV that no one would show up to the actual game. And this is still the blackout rules that we're dealing with to present day, you know. That, yeah, which is exactly. I mean, when, when Ted Turner took over the Braves in 1976, it, it, he was considered a total radical for televising most of the team's games. That, that you know, because other owners thought like, well, if we do that, nobody's going to come out to the ballpark. Whereas Turner quite brilliantly realized that by by televising all of his team's games, he could market the Braves not only to Atlanta but the entire South and Southeast of America. Yeah, yeah. and so you know, it's like, like my wife grew up in uh, grew up in North Carolina, and every summer her dad would take her and her brothers to Atlanta to see the Braves because 
they were his team because he could watch them every night on his TV set in Greensboro, North Carolina. So, right. and if you're one of these uh, uh, southern states that uh, didn't have any baseball teams, you're you're an Atlanta fan. If it's on TV, you're an Atlanta fan, and you would go to the yeah, ballpark. exactly. There's no Florida, you know, there's there no Carolina, there's no Louisiana, there's no you know Mississippi, there's no Missouri. Missouri. Oh, that's the Midwest. Right. They got well, and, and, I mean, I, I spent a lot of summers in the 70s in, in Alabama because that's where my grandparents lived. And I loved it because, like, even though I wasn't a Braves fan, I could watch baseball on TV every night. And that was such a radical and unusual thing. I, you know, in, in Michigan, I could, you know, if I was lucky, I could catch one or two Tigers games a week on TV. Mostly I was listening to Ernie Harwell on the radio, which, you know, was awesome. But, but to actually be able to see, uh, see these games be played and all these different teams from the National League coming in, all these players that, you know, I heard of but never actually seen on TV, it was awesome. I love that uh, you say in the very beginning of the book that your dad thinks Vince Scully is the new guy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that that was great. Yeah. And uh, well, I'll, I'll, t- I'll Vince, tell you the story Vince... about that. About ten years ago, I, I found a bunch of um, some guy on eBay was selling a bunch of um, uh, Brooklyn Dodger broadcasts with Red Barber uh, from from the '40s and early '50s, and so I bought them for my dad for uh, for Father's Day. And knowing that he would totally love them, and and you know, I bought all the ones the guy had, but I knew that he also had some Vince Scully ones. So I said, I said to my dad after I gave gave them to him, you know, he said this guy also had some some uh, ones with Scully calling the games, and you know, if, if you want those, I can pick them up for you. And my dad just goes, ah, that's the new guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I I think Vince Scully should be broadcasting all these World Series games. We got to get Joe Buck out of there. And something else happening because this is ridiculous. What do you think about the? You know, speaking of Ted Turner, he could easily broadcast um, like they do in some other sports. So he could broadcast uh, the World Series or the playoffs, not the World Series. World Series on Fox. He could broadcast the playoffs on multiple channels and then have the have the uh, actual you know guys who work the game for the whole season do it on like TBS, and he could put the. Right. Uh, playoffs on TNT or whatever, and then you could listen to Joe Buck on TNT, or you can go to TBS and listen to your home uh, town broadcasters. What do you think of that? Is that? Oh, I think that's a great idea. I mean, they, they actually did that in the seventies. I think you know there, there were several different calls of Chris Shambliss's home run uh, in nineteen seventy six in, in the final game of the playoffs, right? Because because the, the Yankees were broadcasting it under you know I think it was WPIX in New York. And then, and then you know, we were getting elsewhere in America. We were getting the the national feed. So yeah, I, I, I definitely think that that there's something, you know, I, not that I I care about the Dodgers ever making the World Series, but if they did, I would think it would be obscene to not have Vince Scully calling it. I think it, it's you know, yeah, I these, mean, the Dodgers make the I World know, Series. But you guys kind of had that this year with Ron Darling, right? Well, we got lucky in, in that he was uh, just happened to be hired for that job. But uh, yeah, I mean, we had that a little. But I'd rather have Keith Hernandez in there too, you know, and Gary Cohen. Oh, I for guess. sure. I mean, uh, growing up, uh, I listened to on the radio it was Bob Murphy and uh, Gary Cohen. And Gary Cohen's now moved to TV, and he's fine. He's fine. But my favorite is Harry Rose. I think Harry Rose on the radio calling the Mets games. I don't know if you're familiar with Harry Rose. Yeah. 
Perro's the best. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, he does the yeah. Islanders games now. He did the famous uh, New York Rangers call. I don't know if you're into hockey. You know, Mateau, Mateau, Mateau. <laughs> I mean, Harry Rose is a throwback, and I like him. He's he's no nonsense. He's all content, and he never stops talking. And it's a the, the thing about the uh, which is nice when he has something to say, which he always does. And when you watch these World Series games on TV, these guys just talk to hear themselves talk. There's no like uh, Joe Buck is so afraid. It's a baseball game. There can be right. silence. There could right. be. You can let you know. All right, so just be quiet for a minute, and we'll watch the pitcher on the mound. Thinking we know we have our own I- internal monologue. We don't need you to explain everything to us. Right. Actually, if I could add no. to what you say, John uh, and Howie Rose has a great way of speaking objectively, but his reaction it was always true. Met well, he was too. afraid after that. Uh, after that, uh, Rangers call that it was too Homer, but everyone loved it. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> but but I mean I, I I well two things. One I think the. The three man booth is a terrible idea, right. and I think that really gets in the way of um, not only you know any periods of silence in the game, but but just intelligent discourse because these yeah. guys are just you know they're, they're all trying to jockey for position essentially. And and two, I mean, I really I really wound up watching most of the postseason with the sound off and some music on because yeah. I really you know I I know what's going on on there and I don't need these idiots to tell me and and I you know I I often as not was just infuriated by the comment their commentary or their or the witlessness thereof. So it's just kind of like, you know, why am I even bothering with this? Right. It's funny you say that, too, because we were speaking about Joe Buck earlier. And look, I'm not superstitious, but he really was trying to speak a lot of (laughs) bad things into existence, I've noticed. He's very... It'll be the ninth inning and the Mets are winning. And he's like, well, this is where the Mets usually fall apart, you know, or something like that. I don't think that was unintentional at all. My friend has a a theory that no matter what team you're rooting for, Joe Buck will always seem to root against them because Hmm. you're rooting for that team. But, you know, I mean, maybe he's just like... I I, I agree with that. I I think... I, I also do believe that, and, you know, and I see this with Cubs fans and Tigers fans too. That that there is a, a persecution complex uh, among baseball fans, but <laughs> they always believe right. that the uh, that the announcers are against them or chasing them or this or that. I think, and, and it, it's very amusing to me. But uh, you know, uh, Joe Buck has kind of cornered the market in in where. Every you know, he if he's a homer for anybody, he's a homer for everyone losing. If there's a possible way right. for every team to lose, then Joe Buck would, would be yeah. in his in his glory. Oh, these guys, you know, here they come. Uh, you know, imagine Joe Buck calling the uh, as Tree Voigt uh, posted a brilliant vine. Tree uh, Joe Buck. Uh, calling the shot heard around the world the Bobby Thompson home run. <laughs> and there, there's a home run by Thompson, and that's a home run. And the right, Giants, right. The Giants what have... Our sponsor. What do you think of that, Harold? Giants are in the pennant. Don't forget to have a Bud Light. <laughs> like, he's just so motionless. He's got, you know what the problem with Joe Buck is? You don't, fe- you don't believe that he's invested. I want somebody who's invested. No. And the good, the good thing about the three-man booth with the Mets is at least... We have two like legitimate geniuses, Keith Hernandez and, and Ron Darling are, are smart guys. Uh, I believe Keith Hernandez. Absolutely. If you've read the Bad Guys one, which I assume you have, it's a great book. Yes. And I don't know who borrowed it from me, but I'm going to kill them because I can't find it. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, Keith Hernandez could do like the New York Times Sunday crossword puzzle in like ten minutes. The guy's a fucking genius, you know. 
He's a moron in real life, but he's a, he's a genius. <laughs> and, and Ron Darling's super smart too. He uses like uh, crazy big words. <laughs> Thank you. That's all I have to say. Oh, he's a Yale graduate. Yeah. Did he graduate from Yale? I think, or is it Harvard? I, I, no, I don't know. I didn't go to. I didn't go to either one of those schools, so I'm really not familiar with the. Ryan, alumni. I don't even know if you're kidding. Is he an Ivy Leaguer? Yes. Yeah, I think oh, so. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I, these I guys are smart dudes. And then Gary Cohen is not uh, doing the best job on TV. I, I I preferred him on the radio. Bob Murphy was the best, dude. Those two guys. Bob on the Murphy radio, was my favorite. Just two guys, wow. and Bob Murphy got him on the high hard one. <laughs> and you know, none of this bullshit. If you. Dan, I don't know if you've ever had the displeasure of listening to the Yankees radio broadcast with the uh, Oh my God, John, <laughs> John Sterling and uh, Susan Waldman. God, Susan Wal- yeah, just, that is, that is just like like I, I, for several years I, I had a very long commute and and had <laughs> and had XM radio, so I would just like you know dial into whatever game was going on, which was awesome. But yeah, the Yankee broadcast just like made me want to drive into a. Uh, you know, into a freeway abutment. It's comical. Why would you torture yourself that so terrible. First of all, John Sterling is horrible. He does these awful things like Teixeira hit a home run. A text message from Teixeira. And and the other bad thing about him is he won't give up the play-by-play. So Susan Walbin never, you know, as bad as she is, uh, he will never give up his play-by-play seat. She will always be color. Every yeah. inning, they don't, they don't, they, you know, they don't go back and forth. None of this. He's just—he's never called in sick. He's broadcast every game. <laughs> you know what? It's not because he's a hero. It's because he's a fucking egomaniac, and right. the guy can't uh, relinquish control. Much like I can't do with his show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's 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 terrible stuff. I, I I would say I would feel feel sorry for my Yankee fan friends, except most of them seem to actually like it. So, oh, uh, really? You know, most of the Yankee fans I do? know hate it. <laughs> it's an A bomb. That's one of the reasons from Arod. I'm not a Yankee fan anymore because I can't fucking stand either one of them. And how obnoxious is the uh, you know his final call? It's not put in the books. It's not the game is over. It's a whatever. Yankees win. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. I actually forgot for Wait, a second. I think I have it. Was. Uh, Ball game over. Yankees uh, win. The Yankees win. What is as, if, as if he had something to do with it. Yeah. Great arpeggio. <laughs> Such a right, right. Yeah, yeah. That, that arpeggio thing. Like, like <laughs> who told him that was a good idea? And, I mean, uh, like, I just, I just imagine that there are all the, you know, the, the ghosts of of all these great broadcasters through the years and just like waiting waiting for him to die. Well, see, that's what's going to happen. He'll hit one of those high notes one day, he'll give himself an aneurysm, and then the problem will be solved. He would have been run out of the business in the 70s. (laughs) It's a home run from put it on the mantle. (laughs) McCann. Oh, yes, McCann can. Oh, yes, McCann can. No, he doesn't do that, does he? Yes, he does. I swear to God. Man, that's Uh. awesome. Well, this is taking a terrible turn. Yeah, yeah, I know. Like, 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 I was looking forward to calling in so I would be less depressed. Yeah, <laughs> more depressed. we're supposed to be Sorry. cheering each other up at this stage. Oh, God, hey, Dan. all right. So, Dan, let's get down to it, man. I got to uh, listen. This is important. Yes, best mustache in baseball in the 1970s. Raleigh fingers. Ah, easy one. Good old Raleigh. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the, the whole handlebar thing with the the curls like even if he hadn't been a great reliever like that that mustache should have a plaque in the hall of fame (laughs) well if that's an easy one what's what would you be your first runner-up 
First runner-up, um, maybe the Al Roboski Fu Manchu, uh, <laughs> both both because of its fearsomeness and because he really he really pitched much worse uh, when he didn't have it. it was, when when the, when the Cardinals manager Vern Rapp made him shave it off. His ERA literally jumped by two runs. So, <laughs> uh, best sideburns in the game in the decade of the nineteen seventies. Best sideburns. Uh, I would, you know, I would go Joe Torre in nineteen seventy one. Those things are were were gigantic. You oh, could yeah. you could probably have floated across the Atlantic on, on either one of them. <laughs> you know, I've been following your Facebook page way before we ever known we were going to be on the show for like years. Aww. And oh, by the way, thank you for not posting so much. <laughs> and uh, but I saw this picture of Tim McCarver, dude. Tim McCarver's sideburns are no joke. It was like gray and black and combed back. <laughs> They were nice. Yeah, he had some. He had some good ones. There, there, there were, and and Pepitone had some great ones too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, especially in his in his Cubs uh, era. So, so yeah, I, I think uh, you know it's it, it's a real it's a real tough one. Um, trying trying to think. Uh, I mean, Dick Allen had some good ones for a while there. Yeah, nobody liked that guy. He was a, he was trouble. <laughs> Well, you know, it depends on who you ask. It's, you know, if you ask the white sports writers, Dick Allen was trouble. If you ask oh. his teammates, Dick Allen was awesome. Damn, what was the crazy Dick Allen trade? Uh, which one? Um, the, the 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 one that the, the what the Dodgers won? I don't know what I'm talking. Wait, what about. are you talking about? I'm I'm going off the seat of my pants. Uh, who's? <laughs> Who's got the best beard? <laughs> okay, uh, best beard. Uh, I, th- I think Bill Lee's Grizzly Adams yeah. look where, uh, when he was with the Expos Space was Man. pretty pretty outstanding. Did we lose Dan? No. Hey, you guys, you guys still there? Yeah, yeah we got you. Here. All right, so best Afro. Uh, you got to say, you know. Oscar Gamble. Yeah, well, yeah, thing. I, I, th- I think there, there's no way Oscar Gamble doesn't get best after <laughs> the '70s. Right, 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 right. But I think you know, respect must be paid to Jose Cardinal, Fake <laughs> McBride, Gary Maddox. Uh, in fact, there was a there was a brief period in the late '70s where the Phillies had. Gary Maddox, Fake McBride, and Jose Cardinal in the same outfield. And that's that's truly the most protastic outfield that ever existed. <laughs> yeah, I'm a, Arson Smith just posting a picture of that Fu Manchu. That dude's serious, man. His hair is awesome, too. And he's got sideburns, too. He's, he's going all in. Sorry, I'm looking yeah. at the chat box. Yeah. You got a crap, not crap joke? Uh, wait, first of all, best oh, okay. best hair. Best gen- in general, best hair. Just best hair, like yeah. like not. I mean, best afro would be. Yeah, well, all around. Uh, you know, okay, well, overall, let's. Uh, I, mean, I mean, skip best, Oscar best Gamble. Hair, best hair, white guy division. I would probably <laughs> go with Jim Palmer. <laughs> Jim Palmer, white guy, best hair, white guy division. Best hair, white guy division. What about National League? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, all right, let's move on. Uh, what I had a couple other questions. Oh man, the 1976. Uh, I forgot what I wanted to ask about that. I have a question for uh, Dan. Yes, if, go ahead. If you can, sure. if, um, I noticed that you write a lot of stuff about music. 
concurrently with this baseball tomes. And I was wondering right. if you ever got, uh, I don't know, like, you know, people t- tag you as the baseball guy or the rock guy and never the twain shall meet. Do you get a lot of pushback when you try to expand your boundaries as a writer or are people kind of along for the ride because you're just good at what you do? Well, I think it's it's more the latter now. Um, I think before I wrote Big Hair and Plastic Grass, I was pretty much a music guy because uh, that was what I did for a living, writing for various magazines, um, uh, Rolling Stone, Revolver, Guitar World. Uh, so, so I had a hard time getting Big Hair and Plastic Grass published in the first place. Was it because... tough to write a book in tablature? <laughs> sorry guys sorry Dan. because you know this is just like like well you're you know you write about music why why should we care that you were written about baseball but now that that you know both uh that book has come out and stars and strikes has come out it's, it's and and both have been pretty well received it's kind of like okay you know what you're talking about in both fields so you know respect um, but but I mean those, those are those are really my two biggest passions in life and and have been since I was ten years old. So nice. I, I feel really lucky to be able to you know make make some semblance of a living uh, writing about both things. Yeah, I was going to ask well, you: you make any money at this, or uh, do you still have to like shovel coal or something like like all of us? Uh, well, no. I mean, I, I, I literally. I mean, I'm a freelance writer. That that is what I do. Uh, I don't I don't have any. Uh, jobs on the side, it's, it's not a great living. And, you know, people come up to me all the time and say like, like, Oh man, you know, I want to, I want to change careers and be a writer. And it's like, well, you have kids. Like, yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, do you like supporting your kids? (laughs) Yeah. I was like, well, don't be a writer. (laughs) (laughs) But you know, I, I, I've, I've managed, I've managed to, to, uh, to eke out an existence and, and, uh, even, even though it's not a lot of money, I would rather be doing this than, you know, making a lot of money, uh, you know, selling reverse mortgages or something. (laughs) Dan also wrote one of the best pieces I've ever written, uh, ever read about high on fire. Oh. oh, the band High on Fire. Oh, sure. right on. I'm a, thank you, thank you for saying that. It, yeah, that was, was that was a great, great, uh, great fun to uh, to interview Matt Pike. I'm sure it was. I mean, he's a loopy dude. But Dan, did you? What kind of rock scene did you grow up in? Uh, what are your favorite bands and stuff? Well, see, I'm all over the place. Like I, I writing for Revolver, I've wound up uh, writing about a lot of metal over the years, and that's part of what I'm into. But I'm also into like uh, you know, I I kind of grew up. Uh, into well, I grew up into AM radio in the '70s, so it was pretty much like whatever was on, I was into. Uh, but then I was really into punk and new wave. I was into disco. I was into now I'm you know I'm into jazz and obscure soul music and yeah. '60s garage and mm-hmm. you know pretty much all all over the map. So as a 49 year old guy, did you kind of miss that whole '90s uh, all, you know rock scene of you know the Chicago bands and stuff like that. Were you involved in that, or or, or did you? Kind of, <laughs> or you were too well, off at that point. Were you in the Disco you know, Sucks you, riot? No, I. You know the the thing was, I I moved to Chicago like six months after the Disco Demolition Night at uh, Kinesis <laughs> Park. Right, oh, and I was, sad so thing. I was so pissed that I missed that. <laughs> 
and not you know I love disco, but I loved anarchy too. So it was just like, <laughs> like how old were you? I at wanted this point? to be there. I would I would have been thirteen. So oh. it's like I, I wanted to be there to see shit get blown up. Yeah, for those of you who and, don't know what we're talking about, uh, you could just watch this on YouTube. This it's it's a long video. It's great. It's a the entire video of of uh, the disco demolition by this radio DJ. You said, hey, right, let's go right, down. Right. So Sponsored by a radio station on the list. Disco tapes in the middle of the baseball field and it turned into like this, the, everything is on fire. It's awesome. The they white, the white wrecked Sox the field. Were, the White Sox were doing anything they could to make money at that point. They were and, having all sorts of Oh yeah, of well they, Dan yeah. talks about this in the book. Like now today, since it's all back to being straight laced, you couldn't have a wet T-shirt contest. It was like, hey, well, let's have battery throwing night. And <laughs> right. They didn't give a fuck. Fuck batteries. It was in between yeah. a double header too, wasn't yeah. it? And now you got yeah. Dave. They had to cancel the second game. Dude. <laughs> oh my goodness gracious! Stupid. There people. were a lot of riots back then. People on the field. There yeah, was a bunch. But not of- over baseball oh, or disco. Yes, over baseball. Uh, yeah, <laughs> maybe you're right. You know, I, I mean, but yeah, that the, the, I think '70s definitely had more fan riots than any other decade uh, when it came to came to baseball right. games. But D- ten cent but, beer yeah, night. So, so well, let, let me finish on, on the disco yes, demolition tip. Yeah. So I moved to Chicago at the beginning of 1980, and it's already, it's been like six months since this happened. And all the kids at my school wanted to talk about, even then, was Disco Demolition and then John Wayne Gacy. So that was, that was like my welcome to Chicago. It's like, like this is what people care about. So I, I, knew, I, I knew I was home. <laughs> uh, going back to your revolver days, uh, when, when were you there? Oh, I'm still there. I, I, w- I was the West Coast editor there from... 2001 to 2007, but I, I'm still a senior writer for them. I, 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 I actually, the current issue that's on the stands, uh, that's that's my uh, Iron Maiden cover story. Nice. Nice. We're fans. Hey, uh, this is Brian Musikoff, by the way. Thanks for the call. Hey, Brian. Thanks, thanks for, uh, hey, hey wait, thanks for listening. I, I, thanks for the call. I, I want to talk to Dan for another two hours. Of course, but <laughs> I, have, I have one quick question. Do you remember uh, at Revolver Tom Bajor? Dude, Tom Bajur is like one of my favorite people in the world. He, he was out. the one who brought me in. Ah, I'm, I'm in session with him tomorrow. All I'll tell, right, him, I'll tell uh, him. Our audience really cares about your friend. <laughs> well, Dan yeah, does. Brian needs to Please tell him a lot for me. I will. Uh, Brian's famous sorry. for that. He's like, sorry, hey, John. you remember when Phil lived next door? <laughs> remember the guy who made coffee? Remember that guy? Remember when hydrants were red, white, and blue? Uh, on the, yeah. Everyone tunes out. <laughs> I, I got, you know, since since you're uh, uh like nine years older than me, and uh, I'm curious, uh, I have a lot of friends who don't care about people using steroids. What's your take on the steroids and and the greenie? Uh, and give us give it give give us the lowdown. Okay, I don't care either. Right, I, I really right. feel like like baseball players in every era have looked for an edge. Whether yes. it's Ty Cobb filing his spikes or or telling people that he filed the spikes, uh, if he didn't actually just put it to in Gaylord, Gaylord Perry with the with the spitball to you know guys taking greenies, Mike which Scott. Most players actually were doing in the nineteen seventies. Uh, for, for the audience uh, who doesn't know what greenies are, they're uh, pretty much methamphetamine, yeah. I think, uh, and uh, it's, they're tremendous. It's, it's speed, you know. These guys are drink, yeah, it's drink ten cups of coffee and and down a couple of greenies and go out there and listen. I get my my whole team in '86. The last time my team won, we were high as a kite. You know, <laughs> what can I? Yeah. I can't really complain yeah. of it. Yeah, I, I you know that this whole notion that baseball needs to be clean because you know what do we tell the children? I, it is that is just like the biggest lump of of bullshit. 
um, imaginable. I, I really think that, you know, this is, this is, and again, this is why I wrote Big Hair and Plastic Grass. This is why I wrote Stars and Strikes. Like these, these are not, uh, these are not clean cut, sepia toned, um, heroes to be held on pedestals. These are just human beings who are really interesting. And, and I, I, the, the fact that, the idea that people would ascribe some sort of morality to the game or or its practitioners is just mind-boggling to me. People well, I, people have always tried to, to to have an edge. People have always cheated. People have 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 always uh, you know taken some kind of performance enhancers. And you know, so the, so the science is a lot better these days. I I, I, I you know if if, if I could. If, if I could reach the bestseller list by taking steroids, I would totally take steroids. <laughs> yeah, but you're not competing with other guys on the field who have a, a stake in it who aren't doing it. Well, I mean, yeah, but, but you know, it's it's look, it's a choice. I mean, I, I think to take steroids, you're putting your body at all kinds of risk. Um, so it's up to you. Do you want to, you, you know, you want to roll those dice? Then fine. You could, right. you, uh, you, you could sleep with your wife or you could hook up with Cheryl Crow. What? <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> All right. What? Lance Armstrong. Oh. Somebody get these people in the newspaper. Right. Bicycling, bicycling is not a sport. Unless there's a defense, it's not a sport. <laughs> yeah, I, I totally forgot about Lance Armstrong. Yeah. But, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I just, I, I don't really care. I, I right. think... No, I know a lot of people that feel it, the same way you do. That's why I ask. And 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 I think you know I, I I actually stopped paying attention to baseball for about ten twelve years, and the reason I came back was because McGuire and Sosa were in that home run race. Okay, oh, and man, that, I remember was that. All, all was like like oh wow, this is kind of cool. I should check this out. And 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 I know lots of other people thought exactly the same thing. So. Uh, for baseball to, you know, to adopt this kind of attitude of like, oh well, you know, that's that that's that's horrible. We didn't encourage this. It's like like steroids saved the game's ass after the '95 strike. <laughs> right, I was so, going to say, is so, it so, so, give me give me this shit about how it's like immoral or <laughs> or uh, you know how how like you'll never watch a ball game again because these guys took steroids in the '90s. It's it's, it's I've, I've got no time for that. Right. Okay, that was Fair a great, a great year. Aside from the baseball derby, that was a great year for baseball. It was. I remember it was fun. It was because a great year for baseball. Driving around Queens and uh, at that year. time, it was like all the uh, all the uh, Hispanic or Latino guys around with trucks and stuff would were all into it, you know. And it got everybody into it. It was kind of the yeah. remind, reminded me of like you know when you had a you had a Korean player on a team or something, or you had a, you had a, you know, a Japanese player on a team. And then the Japanese fans would come out. Like it was that kind of, everyone was right. into it. We had Shin- Shinjo. What, and, uh, even... All the Japanese people came out. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, poor Shinjo. All style, no substance. <laughs> he was my favorite Met. I loved him. He had that <laughs> orange wristband. It was mm-hmm. great. And he could jump a wall. All right. Uh, Dan, who's the, all right. First of all, What's the biggest moment in 1970s baseball, in your opinion? What do you got? Wow. It's tough. The, uh, on the field or off? On the field. On the field, the biggest moment is Hank Aaron uh, 
uh, breaking Babe Ruth's record. Passing Babe Ruth's record. Right. A home run record in 74. Off the field, it's the reserve clause getting struck down, which paves the way for free agency and, you know, irrevocably changes the economics of the game. Right. I don't want to go get too far into it, but I, that was one of my questions. If you could explain the reserve clause quickly to our audience in uh, layman's terms, that would be great. <laughs> Uh, in layman's terms, the reserve clause meant that a, a player who signed with a team was basically bound to that team in perpetuity. Right. And that they could, uh, they were totally at the whim of the team. If they didn't like the money the team was paying them, their only option was to quit. Um, the, once the reserve clause was struck down in court, um, as uh, a result of numerous lawsuits from the players union uh some of which involved Kirk Flood right Kirk uh, uh, Flood the, uh, was a uh, African American baseball player right that is correct and he was uh kind of he, he had this lawsuit against baseball he's like fuck you guys you know but What's in the that? climate in the, in the climate of it it seemed like you know he was being a radical but he was just saying listen i'm just a baseball player i'm trying to it sounds do the like, best i can it sounds like the old studio system in hollywood yeah mm-hmm. well they would right, exactly they'd liken it to slavery yeah. and then all these white people would be like he's a a militant black person, and you know it's just this ridiculous. Right, right, or, right, or like, like, how could you be a slave if you're being paid ninety thousand dollars a year? Ninety grand. But the thing right. is, is that, that 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 players had no, you know, that they had no way of being compensated fairly because there was no there was there was no threat of that if their contracts ran out that another team would sign them because they couldn't. So once the reserve clause was struck down, then players had the recourse where it was like, pay me what I want, pay me what's what the market will bear for a player of my talents, or, you know, once this contract runs out, I'm going to whoever will pay me that amount of money. Right, and the reason they came up with this in the first place is, is to stop players from just uh, going to the highest bidder whenever they felt like it, I guess. I'm sorry, I missed that. I'm saying uh, the reason they... Uh, put this clause into place was because uh they didn't want players just jump and ship whenever they to the highest bidder right right and 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 there was all this uh hysterical talk once the reserve clause was struck down the owners were like well this is just going to lead to anarchy and players are going to go anywhere uh so so there was there was a lot of negotiations during the summer of 76 between the players union and the owners to basically make it so that you know that there was there was some like a player would have to who came up with a certain team would have to stay there for a certain amount of time before he could uh, go off on his own as a free agent. What's ironic is that Charlie Finley, the A's owner, who was very controversial, uh, actually had quite the brilliant idea, which was just make all players free agents at the end of the right. season yeah. because that will that will actually depress their value. Yeah, yeah. Everybody's but but all all the owners were just like no that's crazy. We can't do that. That'll sell <laughs> the energy. And and in fact if they listen to Charlie on that, uh the the baseball salaries today would be significantly uh lower. Of course. Is this the same guy he had a great idea of uh, also having gold bases? Gold yes, bases. gold bases and orange oh, baseball. Opening day, gold bases. I think they uh, kicked oh, them out of baseball. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. yeah, the total character. And, and again, that's uh, one of the things I love about the seventies is that there were all these owners like Charlie, Charlie Finley, like Bill Veck, like Ted Turner, who were just complete nutballs, but were also 
kind of thinking outside of the box. Whereas today we've got, you know, <laughs> the Wilpons and, yeah. and, and whoever else. It's just, and a lot of people, like all these, all these rich guys who, who have no charisma, no ideas, no, no, uh, no vibe. And right in the middle of it right here in the middle of this book is, uh, is George Steinbrenner was the owner of the Yankees the entire decade. I, I'm pretty sure. Right. Well, actually, he he didn't uh, with Steinbrenner. He didn't really start exerting his uh, his power over the team until '76. Um, right. He came in, I believe, in '72. Yeah. Um, but then he was suspended for several years for making illegal contributions to, the, to Richard Nixon's reelection campaign. <laughs> yeah. So he, oh, he not our not Steinbrenner. Actually, he did not actually. Come, uh, you know, he didn't become the Steinbrenner that we know and and loathe until 1976. One of my one of the one of the best things ever that happened to me was um, I went to uh, we had played a gig downtown somewhere, and then uh, we had left our equipment in the basement. And this was after the uh, the first World Trade Center bombing. Not to keep with the terrorist theme. but after the, uh, the 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 arguably failed uh, original bombing, uh, right. we had played a gig that night, and we left our equipment there. And I went back to pick it up, and there was no mic that night. And some guy just got up on stage, and he just went first the World Train Center, now Steinbrenner's back, and just walked <laughs> off stage. <laughs> yeah, he was he was uh, suspended uh, again, like later, right, like. The late nineties. Yeah, I think a couple of times actually. Yeah, he, uh, he, I mean, not, obviously not for Richard Nixon the, the second time, but uh, yeah, it was like ta- uh, but I don't yeah, know what it was in between was Billy Tamper? Martin firing. He like talked to the wrong person, or he, I don't know yeah. what he did. But all I know is any guy who uh, Yogi Berra hates, I, I hate him too. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, and, and and Yogi and Berra, the, if, you, if you can get Yogi Berra to hate you, you win like a billion dollars. It's impossible yeah. to do. And he, even... he figured it out. He figured out how to do it. He fired Yogi Berry when he's a manager, probably halfway through the season or something. I, I don't even what... know what I'm hating. He's a yeah, kind of guy. Yeah, who... oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah hey, Bear, you... Bear would come back even for the old timers games for a number of years. Because no, he was yeah. So he wouldn't. It was like, he's the kind of guy who'd be like, Yogi, you know what? You got a job for life. And he'd start crying and then fire him like six months later. Right. Douchebag. <laughs> hate that guy. Oh, goodness gracious. No offense. Rest in peace, George Steinbrenner, you piece of garbage. <laughs> <laughs> I did want to ask you one thing that's a kind of controversial. In the uh in the in the other book, Four Balls, uh they talk about the what the hell's the pansy game? Oh, the pansy game uh was when players would make out with each other on the team bus. What? <laughs> and what uh, how does it work? Was like, that a who, thing? Who like, wins? <laughs> I think I think it works fairly well. I think it would be. Uh, I, I mean, I think it was kind of like a, a dare thing, like like you know, uh, like uh, you're not gonna. It's, it's like your teammate is, is daring you to French kiss him, and you know you're you're not gonna. Um, this is a real. This is a real thing. This is this is a real thing, Brian. You don't know this is Daniel Murphy's favorite game. Oh no, oh Murph. Yeah, oh yeah. Okay, well, yeah. Murph. I, I was streaming. We would trade him. I'm like, let's trade this bigot 
Yeah, no, uh, John, then, I'm with you. Yeah, I'm with that, you. I'm with you. I'm with you. Next thing you know, he had 20, 20 million home runs. Yeah, in we'll take his homers. <laughs> and I'm like, well, everybody, he just, you know, calm down. Every, he just says what he thinks, and it's fine. <laughs> he's a religious man, and he has his things. Right. We're he's got his own. Right. Yeah, yeah, he, he doesn't want to play the pansy game. Okay. Well, he soon, might have to. He'll as, take it for a check, will he? As soon as he started missing balls in the field in the World Series, I'm like, you know what? Everybody, you're right. Right. No pun intended. Son of a bitch. Well, he just, oh, by the way, Daniel Murphy turning down uh, the Mets qualifying offer. Oh, he did not, after not, yeah. bra- not breaking yeah. tradition. No surprise. $15 million. Yeah, everybody. No one else. No one has ever accepted Actually, it. Actually, yesterday, somebody did it yesterday. Did they? Really? Yeah, I, I yeah. Just, yeah. Uh, Colby Rasmussen. Thank you. That's uh, it. Yeah. History has been made. Yeah. <laughs> In the horrible- I mean, if somebody wants to offer me $15.8 million in a qualifying offer, I would be glad to accept it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't make sense to us, you know. Uh, you nope. don't take it, but to them, uh, it's a different story. Do you think they should uh, bring back the Twilight mm-hmm. game? I do. I think I I, I loved the the doubleheaders, uh, uh, you know, where where it was, and, and and where it would you wouldn't have to pay separate admission to go to both games. Um, I, I love that. Um, I mean, it, it's kind of amazing how many doubleheaders uh, they actually used to play. I, I understand that uh, you know the players' union probably is not in favor of it, but uh, I, I think. Yeah, you know, I'm definitely not in favor of baseball being played in November. So I think throw in some twenty-eight doubleheaders and uh, uh, you know reorganize the schedule so that the World Series is over before Halloween. Uh-huh. Yeah, well, it's all about money. I mean, if they can, they're not going to say oh, we'll put a, a doubleheader on and then it's the same audience. You know, they who's going to watch the same commercials? They want they want to no, double the I revenue. Mean, I, I mean, I, I understand why they wouldn't do that. I think no, I don't I agree with I it. I do yeah. think it would be a great PR move. Let's do it. Let's bring it back. Yeah. D- DH, crap, not crap. I love double headers. <laughs> I love yeah. being in it for the long right. haul. Yeah, let's crap. Yeah. Let's Saturday afternoon, and all of a sudden it's going to be two Dan, games. you want to play crap, not crap? Dan Epstein, crap, yeah, not sure. crap. <clears throat> I'll right. give you a bunch of bands. You just tell me whether they're crap, not crap. If you feel you need to all stop right. and qualify your answer, that's fine. All right, let's start with the designated hitter, crap, not crap. Crap. <laughs> <laughs> really, I thought uh, you growing up as like an AL guy. No, I, I but but I, I still think it's it's uh, a, a crime against man and God. <laughs> I think uh, it's 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 really. I, I want I I want to see a pitcher hit. I know it extends the careers. I know it adds it adds offense, et cetera. I I don't care. I I, I think the DH. Well, is, how about like crap baseball? Being I'm I'm just. Gonna play devil's advocate. I hate the DH. I'm National League guy, but uh, you know, how about we're the only sport that makes a, a person play a position that they have no business playing? You know? Yeah. Well, yeah. That's well. There is that, but but it's uh, like it's like putting Eli Manning in a cornerback on the defense when the game's on the line. Well, you know, I I, w- I actually wouldn't mind seeing uh, football with, uh, with with players playing offense and right. And- but, uh, again, I'm old. <laughs> okay. Dan's DH the crap. All right, Dan's, Dan, I'm going to give you a bunch of bands. You ready? Yeah. Crap, not crap. New York Dolls. Uh, not crap. Melvin's. Uh, not crap. Fleetwood Mac. Not crap. Metallica. Not crap. Hmm. Crass. <laughs> Crass? Crass. Crass. Not my... Crafts, not my thing, but not crap. All right. Foo Fighters. Crap. Thank you, Dan. <laughs> Operation uh, what uh, Operation Ivy. Who, who made this list? 
Okay, op ivy again, not my thing, but I can't, I can't call, I can't legitimately call them crap. Deep, deep purple. Oh, not crap. Yeah, baby, space truck and the Rolling Stones. Uh, depends on what what period you're talking about. Uh, not crap. Uh, up and up through tattoo you crap ever after. <laughs> you agree with that, Pat? Uh, sure. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Yeah. Uh, Ted Nugent, music only. Uh, uh, music only. I would say not crap. Uh, not crap in the seventies. Crap after that. All right. Uh, uh, Grand Funk Railroad. Not crap. Fog hat. Not crap. That was the first time I ever got high was the Fog Hat Live. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Fog Hat Double Live LP. But what's your, what's your favorite record that you have right now, Dan? What's your prized possession? Absol- absolute favorite records that I have. Um, uh, right now, it's probably the Zombies Odyssey and Oracle. Oh. Now, John, Dan's contend that his record collection is. This is music off, by the way, uh, Dan. Uh, Dan has yeah. contend that his record collection is all gold. What do you mean? Yeah, that there's there's no there's not crap one in my record in collection. There. I when, when I moved to Chicago three months ago, I jettisoned whatever crap was <laughs> remaining in it because I didn't want to schlep uh, any any garbage across country. So Come on, you every, held on. everything in my in my collection I can make a legitimate argument for. Okay, All right. Hey, Dan's like, uh, listen, uh, you can go, but the herp. Albert record stay. <laughs> Just for the album oh, cover. Okay. Well, 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 I've, I've got the entire Herb Albert collection. <laughs> yeah. Herb Albert, that stuff ruled. Those guys, <laughs> those guys were all high as kites while making those records. <laughs> so what'd you jettison? Like uh, Jerry Jeff Walker? Was it uh, Jack Rabbit Slim? What's, what's the name of that guy? <laughs> oh, uh, Jack Rabbit Slim. Was that uh, Steve Forbert? Steve Forbert, yeah. <laughs> Everyone's got. Yeah, like, I, don't, I don't have that. Everyone's got like two Steve Forbert records. You're like, where the fuck did these records come? from i don't remember and why are they all cutouts <laughs> sing along well, with well i think i know why they're all cutouts. <laughs> oh Ooh. sing along with mitch <laughs> bad brains uh not crap yeah and dr no is right. on the men here's the an important one steely dan oh not crap at all oh god i hate you i i uh, no, see see i i used to hate steely dan until i moved to la wow. and then of like course. all their all and their i realized that all their songs were about being Paranoid Jewish guys from New York <laughs> in LA having too good a time and they felt guilty about it. Well, and I, I, like thank once you for I was in LA, that. I totally related to it. Right. I have a theory that I think they, uh, once once they realized they couldn't get good pizza, substituted with cocaine and everything went downhill. <laughs> right. Asia's a great record, John. <laughs> I have no, a theory. I'm with you on the Jewish guilt thing. Plus, I will not insert my opinion. I, I defer to the guest. Bob, I have a theory they suck. Boz Skaggs. Um. Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm. Uh, I, I've got to go crap on that one. <laughs> Everyone waffles a little Well, you know, it's like I like a couple of his singles, but I can't say I've ever, you know, intentionally owned a Boss Skaggs album. <laughs> give me the. Give me the Skag. You got any Skags? New Skags in? State of the record, guy. <laughs> they just dropped it. <laughs> Johnny Thunders and the Heartbreakers. Oh, not crap at all. Huge. I've, I've been a guitar player since I was in my teens, and he was a huge influence on me. Cool. Well, if you ever want to show up here, uh, he's his graveyard is not but a walk. That's right. You missed your from, boat last. Really? Week. You missed your yeah. boat last oh, week, man. man. 
Yeah, St. Mary's Cemetery. You know what? Like my whole family is buried, and also Johnny Thunders. And John Dan was just Dan was just here last week. Oh yeah, and we missed him. We'll talk about that. Well, next time I'm back, I'll come out and see you guys and go visit Johnny. (laughs) All right, Dan. This is important. Kiss. I'm sorry. What? Kiss. Oh, not uh, not crap. Uh, not, not crap as long as they had. Well, actually, I'm going to go not crap through the uh, late '80s. I think uh, they're. Uh, I'm, I'm a huge Kiss fan, and uh, I think um, even even when the records were bad, the Paul Stanley's uh, between song stage banter. Oh my god! More than justified their existence, dude. You don't even know. John's, John's searching for sound we're clips offici- as we speak. We're, we're aficionados on this subject. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best. It really is. It's kismet, Dan. <laughs> I'm, I'm stalling so John can find all the sound. I don't know if I should say this tonight because I know... I know we got law... We got law officers here. Law officers. I'm packing my pistol. My penis. <laughs> Talking about my, my six shooter of sex. Ugh. Talking about my Uzi of ooze. Gross. So icky. You know what it is? I saw him do that movie of Who's Line at the Forum in L.A. in 96. And if you've ever heard 12,000 people go, ew, at once, uh, like, like that was it. There's nothing more disgusting than the phrase Uzi of Uzi. It's the worst. Especially coming out of his mouth. Oh, even worse. I mean, nobody, got, nobody wants ew. anything to ooze. It's, out of his mouth either. It's so funny. Like, Paul Stanley's an, an interesting character. I follow him on Facebook just because I want to know what he's up to, you know? <laughs> you, you hate, you uh, hate following? Him. I do, and like one day he's like makes meatballs, and the next day he's on tour, and you don't know what's going on. And he's just like, and, but he's like he's oozing. He's right. but you could have you have an idea that he's self aware, but he's just ignoring that part. <laughs> John, the sad part relate. is he's part of New York rock history. Of course, we have, we have Queens, to respect baby. that. Well, with this change of the weather, some people might have a little rock and roll pneumonia. <laughs> I mean, Jesus Christ! It doesn't stop. You know, no, listen. No, no, sorry, I'll, Dan. I'll, I'll admit something to you. I, I for uh, I, I actually made a compilation on my iPod, uh, a playlist of of about three hours of random Paul Stanley stage banter. No. We'd like that. Uh, and and I used it as my alarm clock. Where uh, <laughs> just like it would go off. The wife uh, loves that. You know, right? I had it hooked up to to, to my uh, to my clock radio essentially. And Poor but man. the thing was, it was so funny that I wouldn't get out of bed because I would just be laughing and waiting for the next one to come on. So it, it didn't really work. Ne- I never made it to work because you know, I, I, right. how can you stop listening? You know, I have about eight minutes of it, and then I have another CD that my friend made, which was like. Uh, 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 called uh, what was it called? People let me get something off no. my chest. Yeah, people let me get something off my chest. Yeah, I've got that. You got that? And there, there was also yeah. uh, let me get something else off my chest, <laughs> which is another like but, ten well, minutes. I could send and, you that. And so, some friends of mine many years ago, before those came out, pressed up a forty-five 
of uh, of bootleg uh, stage banter called "Having oh. Fun with Stanley on Stage," oh, which is oh, actually man. now considered a collector's item in, in Kiss Collector Circle. Oh, but, okay, because uh, we have friends who made a "Having Fun on on Stage with Fugazi" tape. Remember that, Jody? Yeah, James Burns did that. <laughs> right. <laughs> Ice another, cream eating motherfucker. There's another really unpopular Paul Stanley mixtape called Let Me Put Something on Your Chest. Oh. Which, uh, oh. Oh. Ties into the ooze thing. It, it's <laughs> You don't want to know about that one. Guys, how many of you guys like to get licked? You lick me, I lick you. All right. <laughs> Yeah. Fair enough, Paul. <laughs> he's he's a, he's great at bartering. Oh man, I could no, I could talk about kissing baseball for three days. <laughs> Let's move on. Ab- to the absolutely. Game. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, quick crap, crap, not crap. The who? Uh, not crap as long as Keith Moon was alive. Prince. Prince. Yeah. Uh, not not crap. The Beatles. You'd be surprised. Definitely not crap. Velvet Underground. Not crap. Lou Reed solo. Uh, some crap, some not crap. <laughs> it always gets hung up. It's like you're skateboarding and then someone throws a branch in front of you. <laughs> <laughs> so, so somebody throws a copy of... Uh, of uh, uh, Metal oh, Machine God, Music. What was that terrible 80s? Uh, Metal Machine Music. Right. Uh, oh, no, no. New York, like, New Metal York. Metal Music is cool for what it is, but, but I'm thinking more like... New York. Um, new Sensations. We're going out on the dirty boulevard. We're going down. We're going to fly. We're going to fly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jethro Tull. Uh, not crap. Uh, Crocus. Uh, I, you know, I've got a soft spot for Crocus. They're, they're yeah. so, like, it's a poor man's ACDC. Right, exactly. <laughs> poor man's ACDC. What's your favorite Crocus tape? Is it hardware? I'm sorry? What's your favorite Crocus tape? Oh well, see, I don't, I don't, I don't think I could even break is, it down by album. One all, vice all, at a time. I know about a handful of songs for them, but one sticker's boom is just. Oh ah! uh, and did they have finally? It? We've asked, we've asked what's your favorite crocus tape to a guest, and he. A baseball guy. Actual, answer. <laughs> actual crocus tape. Long stick goes boom, baby. We asked, we asked a guy who fucked a dolphin that same question. <laughs> yeah. And John, did That's crocus... a gag question. You're not supposed to have an answer, sir. Did crocus oh, have a consistent me, lineup? I do. Yeah. Yes. And uh, we actually interviewed Mark Starace from Crocus on this very show. Nice. It was, just, it was very a very nice. special episode. We showed up at 2, 2 p.m. in the afternoon. Yeah, he had to do it at 2 o'clock because, you know, over there in whatever, Sweden is like 4 o'clock or something. I don't know. Uh, t- <laughs> television. Uh, not crap. Gang of Four. Um, first two albums, not crap. Who's do? Oh, no, not crap at all. The Clash. Um, uh, not crap until you get to cut the crap, which is definitely <laughs> right, crap. Right? <laughs> I like this guy a lot. I, I think he knows exactly what he's talking about. Uh, the uh, Blue Oyster Cult. Oh, not crap at all. King Crimson. Um, I'm I'm uh, I'm I'm not into the blue period, but uh, but but the, the the first two records are are definitely not crap. And I I mean I I, I can't really say that King Crimson is crap per se, but not my thing. King Missile. Uh, I'm gonna say crap. King Diamond. Uh, not crap. Neil Diamond. <laughs> not crap at all. I have an autographed. Uh, <laughs> Picture of Neil Diamond in my bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> where it belongs. Do you really? They do. 
And uh, when chicks come over, they just they try to jump out the window, or what happens? <laughs> <laughs> they worship it, as, you, as any sane person would. Are you married, Dan? I am. You are? How long you married? Uh, I've been married a year and a half. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Matsu. <laughs> to a woman, yes. <laughs> we don't know. We don't care. All right, speaking of kings, Elvis. Not crap. Benny he King. Who? Uh, Iron Maiden. Uh, not crap at all. In fact, uh, the new record's really pretty amazing. No way, really? Yeah. Check it out. I, 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 yeah, I, I would not have guessed, because uh, I thought the last several records were kind of treading water, but this yeah. one is really good. Uh, Chavez. Uh, crap. Matt Sweeney? Crap? Steve, uh, yeah, I, I don't think he's a crap human being wow. or a crap player. I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a good band. I just love that I said Chavez to a random guest and he knew exactly what the fuck band I was talking about. <laughs> this, this, is, this is Dan Epstein. Dan's this, this knowledgeable, Dan man. And he crapped him. <laughs> Fair John's enough. crying. Uh, Fair enough. Dan Sebado. Uh, crap. Joe Walsh. By himself. I'm sorry? Joe Walsh. Joe Walsh by himself. Uh, first four or five records are amazing. Well, that's not crap. <laughs> that's that's for, not crap at your, all. your first four or five records, <laughs> cocksucker. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Dan. Uh, pretenders. Uh, not crap. In, in fact, I just finished reading Chrissy Hines' autobiography, which is pretty amazing. Yeah, I it's, heard it's pretty nutty. It's in my stack. I haven't gotten to Did you enjoy it? Uh, oh, I loved it. I, w- I would uh, move it to the front of your stack. Okay. Well, I have to. The- Let's do it. All right. You know what other books you can move to the front of your stack are Big Hair and Plastic Grass by Fact. Dan Epstein. Fact. And also Stars and Strikes. With Dan, when did this book Fact. come out, Stars and Strikes? Uh, I'm sorry, what? When did Stars and Strikes come out? That's It just came out, right? It, yeah, yeah. It, it, well, it came out in hardcover uh, last year, and it's about to come out in paperback uh, in February. Right. I can't wait to read it. Dude, I'm, I'm like, when I read the uh, when I read a baseball book like, like Dan's written, I'm like riveted. I can't wait to stop. I can't wait to get to the next page. Good. You know, I, I read books and I I want to throw them out the window. And when I see this baseball book, it's like the the best thing that's ever happened to me. I'm gonna rivet you. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I'm not kidding. I'm not saying because Dan's a guest. I, I I will every single little morsel of baseball history, like kind of you know insider stuff, for lack of a better word, is so valuable to me i'm like ah, oh, i can't wait so dan thanks so much for that thank you dan oh dan what's well, my the- pleasure I'm, I'm glad you glad you're digging it and we the- can get the book on amazon.com and uh yeah you can get, get it on amazon you can get it uh i know barnes and noble uh carries it uh at most of their stores and you can order it from uh pretty much any any uh bookstore that uh knows what the hell it's doing and when's the paperback drop and the paperback drops February 9th, I believe. Excellent. Right. And you, you can you can already pre-order it on Amazon if you look, uh, if look, you prefer to go that route. Look for that. That's Dan Epstein's books, and uh, you can find them on Amazon.com. Thank you, Dan, so much. Awesome. Thank, Thank you, Dan. Dan. Hey, it was a real pleasure talking to you guys. You, you completely elevated my mood. So, uh, <laughs> well, we yeah, hope me so. too. I, you day. know, the feeling is mutual. I feel I feel great now. I, I was feeling down, and uh, talking about baseball just picked me up. Good job, Dan. Uh, if, if, if anything you want to plug besides that? Um, anything I want to plug? What's your next um, book? No, I, I think uh, I guess the only other thing is that uh, I've got a I've got. Uh, Facebook pages for both those books, Big Hair and Plastic Grass, and 
uh, Stars and Strikes, and I'm on Twitter at Big Hair Plats Grass. Uh, if you want to follow me there, I yeah, we just tweet, became uh, pictures of guys with afros and <laughs> other other uh, life affirming things. And uh, yeah, I think that that's pretty much it. Awesome, okay. thank you so much, Dan. Really appreciate it, man. Pleasure talking to you. All right, thanks, thanks, y'all. Have a great weekend. All right, dude. Bye, Dan. Later. Thanks. There's Dan Epstein, author of Big Hairy Plastic yeah. Grass. Yep. Great interview. Guy's a good dude. Great dude. Dude, go out and buy uh, Stars and Strikes. I will read. I will read all these books, and I'm I'm not drunk. All the yeah, books. right. See, yeah. John, he knows his baseball and his music, huh? Also, Tommy Rockstar's here. He does. I think we, we struck a good balance. I was prepared as shit, by the way. Yeah, you, you were. were great. Yeah, you were. Yeah, you're awesome. <laughs> let's give right it up everybody. for John. Yeah. Let's hear from. Let's hear from <laughs> our we'd host. Like thank, we'd let's like to thank our me. host, John Houlihan. Exactly. Right. I had notes. Believe me, I read. I read fifty pages of the book. It's a thousand pages. Okay, easy reader. Believe me, I'm all busy. <laughs> I just, you know, I, I just started watching Easy Rider uh, reader. last night. Reader. I've never seen Easy Rider. Easy Reader. How about Easy Reader? <laughs> Have you ever seen that movie? Easy Rider. Nope. Yeah, I'm talking about Easy Reader. Morgan Freeman. <laughs> Did the uh, just quickly? You know, it's you know, it's John Curley's birthday today. Oh, happy no, birthday, John, birthday Curley. John Curley. I like John Curley. Yeah, so it's so it's John Curley's birthday, but not only that, uh, he just let me know uh, he's expecting. Oh, oh John, baby. congratulations! Awesome. I didn't know men could do that. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's a wee thing nowadays, evidently. Man, uh, uh, I meant to say to uh, Dan, I'm sorry we kept you on so long, but we. We talked to Dan for an hour and a half. I think Dan no, enjoyed. I think Dan enjoyed being on that long. So we could talk about baseball for fucking six years. You That's know? right. I mean, great guest. Thanks for uh, booking that, Brian. Good I job. We all booked it. Dan's a good man. That's a good one. That's a good one. We're taking a break. Tough guy. Oh, I think I lost. Yeah. Oh, there we go. I got a punch. We're receiving our tech director. I got to punch the mixer lately to get both channels. <laughs> all right, we'll be back after this. Thanks, everybody. Hey, John, if you like.
Lake. You lick me, I lick you. I don't know if I should say this tonight, because I know, I know we got law, we got law officers here, and law officers. I'm packing my pistol. You know what I'm talking about, don't you, Pittsburgh? Talking about my, my six-shooter of sex. Talking about my Uzi of ooze. You know what it all comes down to. I'm talking about my let's go. I'm talking about my cocks. Yeah. Well, with this change of the weather. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening to Live from the Barrage. Some people might have a little rock and roll pneumonia. We're back. I'm ready to play the Ryan game. I'd make it stop. The beautiful oh, girl in Sweden. Guys, you know what I'm talking about. Peter yeah, Chris. Peter Chris tried to cut him off. Yep. Peter Chris is like the worst drum Girls, like ever. But he's the best one. He interrupts. Oh, there's more of you than that. Girls, I'm going to spend one night with you. I want to make you scream. Let me hear you. I want to know. I want to know how many girls we got here tonight. Girls, let me hear you. <laughs> Let's go oh, while we're young. I want to dedicate this number. Oh, I want to dedicate it stop. this number. Good stop. I want to dedicate, dedicate this, this number to all the girls and all the women we got here tonight because there's a fine bunch here tonight in Pittsburgh. God bless you all. Pittsburgh, yeah, I'm sure. All right, everyone. It's the Ryan game. Thank you, Ryan. Do you have a game for us this week? Where's his music? <laughs> Move it. Listen, I'm no monkey. Now, I'm doing my best. From a barrage in Queens, New York. Thank you, Pat. Thank you, Jody. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you, Tommy. We're all doing it here. Thank you, Brian. Music off. These smart asses for the dumb asses they really are. Here's your host, Ryan Collison. Let's move on with the game. When I bend over, scream into my ass. What do I? <laughs> Ryan's mic. Ryan finally has to perform, and his microphone's off the hook. Hello, Ryan. How are you? I'm okay. Thanks for having me. Anytime. What a great interview we had tonight. That was really great, great interview. Dan Epstein, yeah. great guest, man. That guy was good. Yeah, very good. I like talking to Dan. Good Let's man. move on with the game. Probably lost all our listeners because all the baseball talk, though. I'm sure, right? No, I think no? I think it's not baseball talk like stats and numbers. It's baseball talk right. like culture Cultural and baseball. Yeah. Fuck the audience. <laughs> Fuck the audience. <laughs> okay, audience. Yeah. All right, I'm being reminded that we're, I, like that. I really don't we're give a shit. Clo- we're watching the clock tonight. I'm being reminded, so I'm going to make it a quick, easy game and uh, one of our casual games. You just shout it out when you know it, right? Right? Sounds good. Yeah. All right. So, uh, shout it, shout it, shout it out loud. You got to have a party. All right. It's like my accountant. Famous opening lines. So, uh, I'll give you what the line is and you tell me what, what movie, what song. No. Do you uh, have an example? 
Yeah, like if I said, uh, what would I, what would you do if I sang out a tune? You would say uh, a little help. Joe Cocker. Yeah. Walk out on me. Uh, a little help from my friends. Exactly. Uh, a little help from my friends. Right. Just the title of the song we're looking Just for. Just the title. Right. Oh, okay. Not the band. Okay. Because right. I would have got that wrong. Because it's the Beatles. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot that uh, about the band called the Beatles. <laughs> so I heard a- they're good. Yeah, they're- they made a little. You gotta check them out. Yeah. I hear they have a Kickstarter for a new record. <laughs> an EP an they're EP. putting out. Yeah, it's an EP. <laughs> All right, here comes the first one. I'm so happy because today I found my friends. Lithium. Yes. By Nirvana. Nice. Very good, yeah. Very good. Don't worry about a thing. That's a good it, opening line. Don't worry about a thing because every little thing's going to um, be all right. Uh, Bob Marley. Every little thing's going to no be all right. No woman, no cry. Nope. <laughs> no, the the other one, the other song he has. Oh, it's called something song, like uh, redemption song. Yeah, no, no. no. All right, so he had three songs. Don't worry about a thing because every little thing Tron is going to be all right. <laughs> nope, nobody got it. Nope. How about that chat Can't box? Remember. I don't think. Did I tell you about it. the time I was working construction with a Jamaican guy and I was whistling that song and he said, "I hear what you're whistling over there." <laughs> <laughs> You're whistling oppression. Like he was real fucking Jamaican dude with dreadlocks, but he was like kind of my age, maybe a little older. And I was I, because you know when you work in that construction job, you think that you want to jump out the window. And uh, I was whistling that song to keep my spirits up, much like uh, the coal miners did in the 30s, <laughs> 1830s. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, "I I hear you over there, man." <laughs> oh God. What's the name of the song? Name of the song is Three Little Birds. Three Little Birds. Ah. Okay. I thought, well, are we taking turns? Bob, or Bob Chapman, no, uh, Crazy Bob getting it on there. Very good, very good. <laughs> Snoozikoff saying Dyer Maroon. <laughs> <laughs> Who is Snoozikoff? Do we know? No. Son of a bitch. I'm coming after you, Snoozikoff. Come the to the house. You make fun of my friends, I'll beat you, beat you senseless. <laughs> no, we, we have... Uh, we have good sense of humor we're, we're all busy beating each other up <laughs> but we know who we, yeah, we right. know who it is anyway let's keep it going yeah, Bruzikoff. Bruzikoff. <laughs> getting beat up fighting each other he already knows he's brian fisticuffs <laughs> he already knows he's cooked <laughs> just you why you are let's you wait <laughs> royal musicoffs <laughs> queensberry rules rules <laughs> Yeah. Queensberry Marcus, Why of, I Marcus of Queensberry rules of cops. <laughs> <laughs> All right, loser cough, right. you go. <laughs> Next one is uh if you're having trouble with the high school head. Um it's dirty deeds done dirt, dirt cheap. cheap. Right. Yeah. By ACDC. You got a point. She's giving you the blues. Is anybody keeping score? Yeah, it's uh, John has one and Jody has one. That's correct. And the chat box has one. Fuck them. <laughs> well, the they'll stone you when you're trying uh, to be so good. Everybody must get stoned. 12 and 13. Very good, Jody. Damn it, Jody. Rainy day Not women, 12 and 13, 12 and 28 or whatever the fuck the other number is. Pretty close. I love the, the fake audience 35. In, that, in that stupid song. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so manufactured. Well, I just got into town about an hour ago. Um, L.A. Woman. Right. Damn. Two to two. Bye. The Doors. I don't have to say it. The Dorks. The Nomads had no homes. The Doors had no base. <laughs> and it, except, it's ironic that you mentioned that because L.A. Woman did have, have a, base. a base. Right. Breaking rocks in the hot sun. 
I the fought clash. the law, and the law won. Yeah. Jody. Nice mm-hmm. job, Jody. Great. I can't compete against Jody. This is why I never invite her, because <laughs> I always win the game, and then Jody shows up, and I never win. I love Jody here. She's a great addition. Why, thank you. Pigs, they tend to wiggle when they walk. Um, have you seen Stereo. the piggies? <clears throat> Very good, Jody. Oh, my God. My pavement. Do I have oh, to say really? who did, did I have to say who no, did you don't I have just the, the song's okay. fine. No, just the song. Wait, can you sing that part? Pigs they, they tend, tend to wiggle when they walk. The only other thing I remember See, from I'm that not song into that is the Getty Lee. What about the voice of Getty Lee? How did it get so high? Such I a pavement melody. He speaks like an ordinary guy. I've met him and he does. Well, you're my fact checking cuz. That's awesome. God, showing our age. Speak up, son. begin. In the time of chimpanzees, I was a monkey. Um, it's a Rolling Stones song. That yeah, is Monkey uh, Man. Um, Sympathy for the Devil. Nope. In the time of chimpanzees, I was a monkey. Oh, it's Beck. It's Loser. Right. Yeah. <laughs> four, to, four to three is the score. In the time of chimpanzees, I was a monkey. Everybody loved me. My name is Beck. Who know what next? <laughs> if we were like raised that. in Scientology, maybe we could be that blase. <laughs> it's a good. It's a good sample. Hey, girl, stop doing what you're doing. Hmm. Ryan Gosling. <laughs> hey girl. Gosling and the uh and the zombies. I have no <laughs> idea. That's weird. So let's look at the chat box. The answer is, oh, uh, oh yeah. yeah is it Jackson five? Nope. Arson Smith De- saying me last night. Oh <laughs> her words. I saw me last night at the Philadelphia Spectrum. <laughs> I don't think anyone knows. But we don't Humpty know. Dance? Communication breakdown by... Uh, let's what is it? What's the line? We didn't know deep, that. That's a deepy. We all should right. all be ashamed. Hey, girl! That's a deep lyric. Stop doing what you do! I don't know what it is about you. Someone's losing their voice tomorrow. Tomorrow. <laughs> I never had a voice. <laughs> the local rock band down the street is trying hard to learn their song. Weezer? Nope. Weezer's not a song. Although I'm surprised that Weezer is Down on the corner? Weezer. <laughs> nope. The local rock band. There's that local rock band! <laughs> down the street. <laughs> down, down, down the street. <laughs> trying hard to learn their song. Trying hard to learn their song. With the fucking beat. <laughs> it's such a Bruce Springsteen lyric, but I can't. Place it. What is it? Darkness on the edge of town? No. Darkness on the it is now. Some local rock band is down on the scene trying to do something. Flippity flop. What is the answer, Ryan? I, uh, does the chat box have anything? Nothing? Pleasant Valley Sunday by the Monkeys. Oh, Get out of here. Yeah. How did we miss that? All right. Uh, Another Pleasant Valley Sunday. In Status symbol land. Queens. Sprawling on the fringes of the city in geometric order and isolated border. Oh, well, we built the city on rock and roll. That's that's not Rush. 
Wait, who? So you said built this city on rock and roll? Right. I didn't. You did? Okay. No, that's not it. <laughs> Limelight by Rush. Uh, pretty close. Oh, I knew it was Rush. Uh, those li- I could recognize those shitty lyrics anyway. <laughs> Say the lyrics again. Sprawling on the fringes of the city in geometric order. <laughs> Sprawling on border. the fringes of the city in geometric <laughs> order. I Y-Y. will not pick the bottom. YYZ. <laughs> <laughs> Moving pictures. Communication breakdown. <laughs> Fuck um, out of here. It's subdivision. Oh, I knew it. I was on the right track. Subdivisions. In the here. concert halls. Subdivisions. In the shopping mall. Subdivisions. <laughs> That's Mr. Spock. Conform or be cast out. Subdivisions. <laughs> <laughs> and there's always a weird noise solo in their songs, too. <laughs> yeah, sometimes Getty g- g- goes on the keys and goes nuts. Oh. It's the rotisserie chickens. All right, here's the next one. My speech is my recital. I think it's very Run DMC. Um, it's, um, tricky. It's, it's tricky. It's tricky. Damn it. Jody ah, got Jody. it first. Oh, Fuck. Yeah. Nice job, Jody. Thank you. You're the best. Around. You're the best. Around. Every day in the week, I'm in a different city. I don't know about Norm McDonald's on the TV. Is oh, Sto- uh, Stone Free. Right. Yes. Stone Free. Every day of the week. I'm in the bam ba That's a mint Jimi Hendrix song. Playing all those cover bands. Play it off, John. I was ready to yeah, like, I'm gonna say. like yeah. joke around about that. And I'm like, holy shit, I think I have it right. <laughs> <laughs> Stone free and do what I need. Uh, but uh, but uh. <laughs> He's like Francesca of rock. <laughs> <laughs> After everything he says, like, but uh. But, uh, uh yeah, but he oh never my. fell asleep during a show. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you got some more, Ryan? <laughs> Stuck inside these four walls. Um, oh I got God. it. I got it. You see, I'm not matching the cadence of how it's right. That's I, annoying. I, uh, yeah, I got it. That's my trick. It's my um. Pick. It's tricky. Oh, I hear it. It's my tricky by Run DMC. It's Paul McCartney and Wings. It's if I top. ever get out of here, is it Kojak? Band on the Run? Yeah, is it Band on the Run? Well, come on, right, Jody. Yo, okay. Can we split well, that point? Yes, I, gave I, that I, one. Was, yeah, yeah. I will split it with you. Half points. Band on the Run's like 10 different songs in one. Yeah. Correct. Right? It's like four parts. <laughs> Stuck inside these four walls. Correct. Ten different songs on the run. <laughs> like you. All right, here's, here's another one. I got two more left. Okay. Watch out. You might get what you're after. Oh, oh. It's like a rock metal jam. Watch out, you might get what you're after. Sounds like a crocus song. Watch out, you might get what you're after is my least favorite Judas Priest album. <laughs> God damn it. Arson Smith in the chat box saying, fuck, I know this. Yeah. Yes, we all, we, uh, Arson, we're Carlin, all doing that. Carlin, like, I still call him, tell I still me call what him it is because I know it. And I'm well, like, I have the answer for you if you want. I still call him Aaron Smith. Everyone's out? I'm out. Yeah, I'm, I'm out. out. 
Crazy Bob, great job. Watch out. I see my God damn it. That's burning down. Yeah. Good job, Bob. Nice job, Bobo Chipman. Oh, man. I should should totally. This really goes to show how much we connect like words to music, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Ryan's doing a great job of mixing up the cadence so we don't understand it. By the way, Uh that's a fucking great song. (laughs) Yes, it is. (laughs) Yeah, that rocks. Yep. Uh, I was justified when I was five. Oh, shit. I know this. It's like a fucking blues guy. Or a white people ripping off the blues. By the way, I'm thinking Rolling Stones like B.B. King or something. You're, you're <laughs> Is way it off, Steve cause. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was justified when I was 505 pounds. <laughs> when I was five, justified. I was justified when I was five. Phony voice. We should put uh, talking heads on crap, not crap. Remind me to. Add yes. That. Yeah. Um, I don't think anyone yeah, will crap, but you never know. People will crap the Beatles. Right. I'm out. Uh, Chatbox. Last, last one. Uh, Joplin? I don't think it's Chatbox. Janet Joplin. <laughs> it's kind of a hard one because I don't think any of us like it, but we all know the song real well. It is The Bitch is Back by Elton John. Eltron John. Wow. Eltron. Eltron Tron. Correct he's, Tron. He's Correct really, Tron, bro. He's really talented. <laughs> I like that guy. Oh, well, what's what else Eltron John song did I hear the other day? I'm like, you know what? This song's pretty good. Actually, I do have a favorite. Uh, Funeral for a Friend and Love Lies Bleeding. It's, I guess, no, two songs in one. Right. That what, song is fucking wasn't great. either of those songs stuck together. That's all I really like by him. No, you you like this shit because you fucking, you're a film dude, and (laughs) Elton John's fucking music goes fucking well when you fucking put it against fucking film. When you listen to it as music alone, it's shit. All I could think of is the line. No, there's a couple good ones. And Elton John He's Within not. That, he's that. no Billy Joel in that he didn't phone anything in. It's fucking garbage. Right. I they lit play his together. Court on fire. <laughs> yeah, I don't like. I don't like a whole lot of his stuff either. But no, but there's I mean, a that song is really cool though. Oh, I can't stand that. I'm a bitch. I'm a bitch. I don't matter than you. The way that I move. Yeah, he tries to rock. It's it's kind of like a like a rock Broadway show. Yeah. Thing like yeah. like his interpretation of what rock yeah. is supposed to be yeah nobody's looking for it. Hey, Benny, <laughs> Benny and the Jets. Makes no one's me looking for that pal. All right, yeah. you get out of here with your crocodile rocks. Exactly. Is that it, Ryan? Them. You have more yeah. crocodile no, cocks. So right. the floor is yours, Tommy. Thank yeah. you everybody for playing. Jody, good job. You win. Yeah. Great. Jody, oh, wow. fuck, I did pretty good in that fucking game. You did great, John. I did great. Jody, tell me I did great. You did great. Thanks, man. Uh, Jody, congratulations. Ryan, thank you. thank you so much for the game. Great game. And we'll see you next week, everybody. What? Oh, sorry. <laughs> Tommy, you got anything you want to plug? Yeah, the news. <laughs> Tommy Rockstar's Bullshit. Up to the minute, late-breaking nationwide you news got four minutes, Tom. turn Fuck on your that. TV Power to news. listen to a bunch of drunken buffoons. Total goof- bullshit with Pat Walsh. <laughs> <laughs> Non-breaking news, Tommy. All Rockstar. right, Tommy, what's in the news? Well, this is on the heels of some dark, dark news out there, so oh, I figured we'd man. keep it in light yeah. with that. Is Let's there a see. monkey on a slip and slide? Uh, let's see. This story is out of Seattle. A wily monkey has shocked residents in a Washington <laughs> suburb after crashing an outdoor children's party and commandeering the tween slip and slide all for himself. Uh, you, you know, were hoping for the monkey. I'm such an idiot. I wrote in my notes, 
monkey sounds, right? <laughs> so then, and I also wrote the odd couple theme in right. People's Court. I'm like, don't forget to download it. And then, then everyone died in France, and I'm like, monkey sounds? <laughs> I can't possibly download that in good conscience. <laughs> monkey Both. sounds is my favorite uh, Beach Boys record. <laughs> I saw monkey sounds at CBGB. At CBGB. <laughs> Bobo the monkey, a brown African macaque, <laughs> recently escaped. Dude, did you ever hear monkey? Macaque. <laughs> you don't know the fucking Beach Boys, bro. Did you ever hear fucking monkey sounds? <laughs> Bobo the monkey, a brown. Dude, listen to the theremin. <laughs> a brown African macaque recently escaped macaque. from a, a nearby macaque. pet store and had been on the loose for days before. All Neil's cock. <laughs> before popping into Mary Henderson's yard, uh, much cock. to the delight and terror of screaming tweens celebrating their twelfth. <laughs> <laughs> Local TRNN sources quoted the woman as saying, quote, I just couldn't believe it. I was mixing lemonade for the kids inside when I heard them all screaming. I ran yeah, outside. Okay, blow me, man. <laughs> I ran outside and, went, what, and saw what looked like a drunk monkey repeatedly pushing kids out of the way and running headfirst into our slip and slide. Turns out it was just Houlihan. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be a drunk monkey. <laughs> Local authorities were called to the site and eventually captured... And eventually captured the animal after baiting him. But the only thing the macaque seemed to respond to, a pack of lucky strikes. (laughs) (laughs) Macaque responds to a lot of different stimuli. (laughs) And a copy copy of Celebrity Sleuth that Mrs. Henderson said she found in the neighborhood. Two minutes. (laughs) Resident initially reported seeing a fleet-footed ape running through the yard last week. Tell me about slipping slides while I'm writing the news. <laughs> All right, this is. Uh, I knew Tommy was listening. I was trying to get uh, influence his news. I literally finished the last story and then I heard that. I was like, oh, time for one more. <laughs> All right, now back to real news. Uh, this is a story out of Scotland. <clears throat> A Scottish politician who voted earlier this year to shut down all public toilets in his district was fined by police Saturday morning for none other than urinating in the street after he couldn't find any public toilets to use. If anything, that that adds to his uh, His stupidity. No. Uh, Councillor Jack Burns. He's giving credence to his own claim. Tommy, can I say one thing? Yeah. Amazing. Councilman Jack Burns. And then I guess they cut his dick off or something. You don't see it. They don't show it. Councilman Jack Burns jumped out of a taxi line to answer the call of nature. But but immediately thereafter, he had to answer to the call of a police officer. The man was quoted as saying, quote, I was... The man was quoted as saying, quote, (laughs) I was approached by police. And you can fucking quote me on that. (laughs) You can quote me on that several times. If you don't like it, you can go quote yourself. Use as many many quotes as you like. You can take our quotes, but you'll never take take our freedom. (laughs) Uh, I was approached by police who gave me a 40-pound fine. Judgment Night. Huh? <laughs> it's approached. Freedom Night. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds oddly good. He asked me how many clothes I'd like. <laughs> um, the man was saying, <laughs> "Unite the clans." The man was quoted as saying, "Quote: I 
was approached by police who gave me a 40-pound fine, which I dutifully paid. <laughs> he said, cool. <laughs> I'm embarrassed by the incident and have apologized, according to TRNN sources <laughs> in Scotland. Mr. Burns said in May that the, lo- the local loos would be closed as a cost-saving measure Excellent. due to a $33 million cutback by the St- Scottish government after being faced they with don't some have budgetary choices. Bullshit. Well, they spent all their money on quotes. <laughs> <laughs> Grace me up, woman. <laughs> this story is from our friends in Florida. <laughs> Freedom! <laughs> All right, you can cut that music now. <laughs> no, this is still, it's okay. still relevant. It's still relevant in <laughs> Florida. Authorities in Florida say a man with no hands and legs is armed and dangerous and on the run. It's his name. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? <laughs> This whole dopey segment was worth it just for that launch. It was like a six. That was good. Did you compose that yourself, or did you steal that from somewhere? This is a real story. I swear. Did you? No. Did you compose that headline yourself? Actually, that's the actual headline. So you stole it. Well, it was six months of uh, anticipation. We finally hit the apex. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Tommy, just lie and say you wrote it. I wrote it. Great. I did write this. Pat almost respected you for like two seconds. (laughs) Well, I purposely wrote it like that. I rearranged it, but. <laughs> Florida police are searching. So fucking out of here. More shit. Florida police are searching for an armed. Waste of my life. <laughs> Stop fighting the audience. Why does it always seem to hit me in the middle of the night? Stop it. Told me there's a number I can always dial. Let me do my show for Christ's sake. Florida police are searching for an armed quadruple amputee who's reportedly been on the run since Tuesday and hoping to question him about an involvement in a double murder. (laughs) (laughs) Sean Petrozino, age 30, (laughs) (laughs) reportedly lost his legs, hands, and a part of his arms. Due to bacterial meningitis years ago. Hey, Sean, keep stirring this. Oh, sorry. Uh. <laughs> Police say that he moved in with his parents. Can you keep stirring this bacterial meningitis? <laughs> just uh, just look at the sauce and so, tell somebody else to stir it, I guess. Uh, you mean the granted, gravy? It's an entry-level wage, but... Uh, police say he moved in with his parents last week for, after separating from his wife amidst uh, serious financial issues. After, sep- <laughs> after separating from his limbs. His wife's like, listen, I, I think uh, I love you, but you have no arms and legs and... Uh, I need to move on. Why won't you hug me? <laughs> However, you never hug me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> However, both of us. You haven't hugged me in two years. Well, you it's know, always, it's well, always the I've, guy's fault. I've been, I've been booted up the ass in four. Right. It's always and, the guy's fault. This and, poor guy's going to be living on the street with no arms and no legs. And, and John, you know what they call him on Coney Island, right? Uh, Bob? Sandy? Oh, Sandy. Uh, <laughs> what do they call him on a wall? What's that? Art. 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 <laughs> what do they call him on the front of a door? Bell? Matt. Matt. <laughs> you know what his nickname is? His nickname is Cigarette, because every once in a while they take him out for a drag. <laughs> i never been fucked. Now you're fucked. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. By the, oh, wait. I think we have uh, the guy from Bad Brains on the line. No. <laughs> no. 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 You do not. No. He's okay. Hey, a uh, guy from Bad Brains. How are you feeling? <laughs> Oh, you guys right, are so ahead, wrong. Two bits go ahead. Let's move on with the news. In, in, in a more lighthearted <laughs> continuation of the story, both of the man's parents were found dead Tuesday morning. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's crap. It's crap. Not crap. I don't know. What the fuck? Uh, after, after the woman, the man's w- mother failed to show up for her job as a school teacher. 
A prosthetics expert. <laughs> what do you say there, bottle nose? That's <laughs> <laughs> losing it. I don't think anybody in this room gives a flying fuck. John's just smashing down the keyboard. A prosthetics expert told TRNN in the Sunshine State that you don't need a hand to shoot both of your parents, just the will, as most guns can apparently be fired by the handless without the use of special devices. Oh, great. Then now they're going to make guns That's that good, like yeah. people with no arms and legs can just shoot people. Hey, they need to defend themselves, too. You know, if there was a good guy with no arms and legs there, everything would be fine. Exactly. And that's why we designed this gun. To so, fit your stump. Yeah. So the so the armless can defend themselves as well. Why don't you work a zoo and stop bothering people? Arm the armless. I'm a lobbyist. All right. So this is the last story of the night, and it's a pretty big one. Um, this story is out of California. Thank Her- God. We're all worried for a second there. <coughs> um, it's a gluten-free story. After years of speculation and rumors swirling, one of rock's most legendary rock bands is supposedly, quote, days away from announcing what some are calling the biggest reunion tour in rock and roll history. I hope it's uh, Save Ferris. <laughs> oh, God. Reporting, uh, reports coming in from the website DishNation.com are stating that infamous frontman Jules Alexander and guitar legend Jim Yeaster of the 60s-era rock band The Association have reportedly <laughs> put together their... History of disagreements to reconcile. <laughs> the association's <laughs> coming back, baby. <laughs> the world's quote most dangerous rock band were last seen on stage together in 1993 in Buenos Aires. Thankfully, they were only dangerous to each other. You, you mean victory in the association? You know, it's funny. Right? It's like this is Tommy's outlet. He could like actually write down comedy. Like I can't do that. <laughs> I envy him. He, can, he can cut and paste comedy. <laughs> or what he thinks comedy. <laughs> According to the site, a music insider told the. Uh, told them the guitarist Easter and frontman Alexander have, quote, verbally agreed to get things together and reform the original band. Amazing. According to sources, details of the reunion are, quote, expected to leak any minute now. Uh, everyone is expecting huge demand for tickets, but the boys are very humble and not sure what to expect. Longtime friend of the band, Nikki Six, recently posted on Twitter saying that he was certain the reunion was going to happen when mutual fans of the association and Motley Crue asked him for his input. Was it the real Nikki Six or the fake Nikki Six? I think it was the real one. Do you know there's a Chinese dude in that band? Was there? I don't know. I'm watching the video right now. <laughs> right, the real Did they decide this at a bus stop? Maybe it's Hawaiian. The rumored tour is said to be one of the biggest reunion tours in history, both <laughs> in fervor. One of the 52 states. <laughs> <laughs> both in fervor and profit. Brian Music costs 52 states. <laughs> yeah, I don't the recognize the other 50. Yeah, the bonus right. states. <laughs> the other bonus states. Uh, it, with a rumored 200 city international tour to be announced. <laughs> clapping so for a minute and a half. A, a, rumored, a rumored 200 people attended worldwide tour play windy or get the fuck out <laughs> netting the association nearly a billion dollars in revenue fans of the band have been clamoring for the original lineup to reform since their, their last hit was released in 1964 fans of the band have been clamoring because that's what fucking happens what, when you when you take that medication right fans do clamor is that the smothers brothers yes also <laughs> smothering the ketchup it's i say a- we i say we name the band fans do clamor <laughs> it's also important for me to point out that that's the, the news, news John Hulley. Yeah, the Yay, news. John yeah. TR, Tommy Rockstar News. Good Let's job, move Tommy. on with, with our the news. <laughs> Thank you, Tommy. Thank you, Pat. Thank you, Dan Epstein. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you, Jody. Thank you, Brian Musicoff. And thank, uh, you, thank you, everyone listening out there on Radio Land. We're uh, live from the barrage here on Radio Nope. We're here every Friday night, 8 p.m. Eastern time, and we'll have lots of fun guests. Who's coming up, Brian? We got we to... Got, uh, yeah, we got a big one next week. 
We get a big one every day. Fair. Ron Jeremy. Can we announce that? Can we announce that? First of all, tonight's guest was huge. No disrespect meant there. We have in studio Dave Hill. Oh, Dave Hill. Dave Hill from WOR. KRP. W. Humman, Humman, Humman. Yeah, we got him. Dave Hill, WFMU DJ. Dave Hill of Dave Hill. Hill of IFC. Dave Hill of Murray Hill. Brian. What? You're supposed to rattle off Dave Hill's accomplishments. Oh, uh, uh, comedian plays in Valley Lodge. Comedian Valley Lodge, correct? Comedian extraordinaire. He was in the Sons of Elvis, which had a good radio play in the what's it, mid to late nineties. Uh, he was but a host on IFC. I saw, Tor- I saw comedian play several times. Yeah, I worked with. Dave That's uh, next week, DJ, yeah. and he's coming in in the studio. He's yeah. coming in. Unbelievable! Great yeah, time. Good, good guy. Let's do yeah. it. Let's I'm excited. See, let's see Judy and Brian fight over microphones when the guest comes <laughs> And Mario. <laughs> All right. Thank you, everyone. Uh, our thoughts and uh, everything else to the people of Paris. And uh, we'll see you next week. Everyone knows it's windy. Thank you. Live from the bridge. Yeah. What a lame way to go out. Tommy, do you have anything to plug? I got a story about a monkey in the news. <laughs> See Mr. Brownstone. Everyone go watch Master of None, a movie, uh, a Netflix uh, thing that Ryan worked on, which is everyone's getting rave reviews to our man Aziz. Thank you. Scored 100 on Rotten Tomatoes. 100%. It's uh, impossible to score anything but over 35% on Rotten Tomatoes. Big love to Paris. So we can go out like that. Don't roll with that. Yeah. All right. We'll see you next week, everybody. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Bye bye. Because the light was on.